Friday, March the 26th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Hope everyone is having a nice week as we have a loaded episode coming up for you. We will go through the NCAA Sweet 16 with our buddy Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports. So we'll go through the uh, slate of the eight games, four on Saturday, four on Sunday. We'll go over the betting lines, some thoughts on each of those games. Then we're going to talk about the NBA trade deadline. A couple big moves happen. A couple teams in the West improve themselves. Vuzovic gets moved to the Bulls. We go through all of the moves with Eric. Uh, then we're going to talk stable duel about the weekend schedule. They have a Contest in Dubai for the Dubai World Cup. A very cool international contest there for Stable Duel. They're also going to have a big one at Gulfstream Park for 150 bucks. The Victory Racing Partners Contest that'll give you the opportunity to win a 1% share of a horse as well as part of that $25,000 prize pool. We'll get into all of that. Friday, Gulfstream Best Bets. Friday, Sam Houston Full Card. Then for Saturday, since it's a big day at Gulfstream Park, we had two people help us talk some Gulfstream. Barry Spears, Urban Handicapper, uh, will join us to talk races 6, 8, 10, and 14. He gives his thoughts on the Florida Derby. Then John Stetton, the pick 6 king, John from Past the Wire, joins us to talk about the Florida, the Gulfstream Oaks and the Florida Derby. And uh, I'll recap some of those races at Gulfstream Park following that. Darren Zocali joins us to talk about the stakes races at Turfway Park. There are four of them. One of them for Kentucky Derby points in the Jeff Ruby that uh, closes out that all-stakes pick four. And then our show will have more Saturday racing. Sam Houston, full card. We close things out with This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper where we talk about NXT, WWE, and AEW. When it takes me a few minutes just to... Just to preview the show, you know, there is a lot to come. So let's get right into it with our first interview. It's uh, NCAA Sweet 16. We preview all the games coming up this weekend with Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports on That's What She Said. And then there were 16. We are into the Sweet 16 NCAA Tournament March Madness College Basketball for the men. Uh, joined us last week, Etoff 2-1 Sports. Eric talked a bracket with us and gave us some of his selections and some games to bet uh, before the tournament. And Eric, uh, over the first couple days, uh, like always, very successful. There were a lot of the, uh, the games that you gave out that did well. And we got some crazy, crazy upsets. I believe this is the... The highest cumulative seeds that have ever been in the Sweet 16 in NCAA tournament history. Oh my God, it's been a great, it's been entertaining. I love it. I missed it so much. Yeah. It's still a little bitter about the guy from uh, UC Santa Barbara being so soft going up, Down trying to drive a foul instead of going up strong with two hands. And the Rutgers blowing that 10 point lead because I had both money lines. But part of the game covered the spread, made some money, 61%. So I can't really complain. Uh, let's bounce around the the bracket a little bit right now. Um, uh, let's actually, I guess we can go through the schedule, um, the way it plays out. So on Saturday and on Sunday, there are going to be uh, four games each. And on Saturday, the first game of the day is Oregon State, a team that you uh, you liked. Uh, you've you've been riding an Oregon State uh, wave for a little while. They play Loyola Chicago. Can you imagine like being a Loyola Chicago team? 
um, and and knowing that you're this kind of a favorite to try to head to the elite eight, they're current like seven point favorite or so right now after their uh, upset win over Illinois. I think the over under is around one twenty five. We got a twelve seed versus an eight seed to try to get to the elite eight. Well, we both agreed when we talked um, last week that Loyola was underseeded. They kind of got yep. a little disrespected, like that yep. Wichita State team probably did. should have been like a six, five yeah, or six. six five. You know? I mean, they're yeah. really high in the Ken Palm and everything, but down here in the Valley. So, but I mean, they had the Georgia Tech, which was the ACC champions. They got a rough draw, but I really love this Oregon State team. They play that shifting zone defense. They don't rely on one guy, have it be Ethan Thompson or Jared Lucas. Two guards that can create off the dribble, hit an open jump shot. And also with them, they hit three throws at 76%. So anytime I can get a dog that makes three throws, I love. They have two big bodies in Roman, Sylvia, and Maurice Kulo. And I think they're going to be able to handle Cameron Cutwig. Their coach, um, oh my God, Wayne Tinkle, he did a great job with his game plan of um, stopping Cade Cunningham. Anytime it was a pick and roll with Cade Cunningham, he always ran two and ran three at Cunningham because he was just going to let anyone else beat him. And I think he's going to do the same thing. I think he's going to come up with a game plan to uh, keep Cutwig in check because Cut, Cut, Kofi, the big guy from Illinois, he looked really confused on defense. That really, like, really caught me off guard. I think this Oregon State team's a little better defensive team than the Illinois team. I actually locked in Oregon State plus the six and a half into straight up win at plus 220. I'm going to keep running the money train. That's a great spot for but for Oregon State. I mean, again, like same thing. You've made it now to the Sweet 16, and you got to deal with the Loyola Chicago team. That's very good, but the you know they're they're not a one seeded team for a reason because they do still have some flaws. And Oregon State has the kind of athletes, and they're shooting well enough to uh, uh, I think keep this close. It feels like a lot of points to me. Uh, yeah, they have the bigs too. They have the big to contain Cutwig. You get him in foul trouble with Silva, and you got yourself a game, and I think they'll be able to do it. And I think Tinkle is a very underrated coach, and he comes from the big sky where he's used to this is his year because that's a one-conference, one-bid conference. Like, get for here, try to get through, try to get in the tournament. I like him a lot. And uh, it, o- Oregon State, we're starting to see, too, that um, while they – Kind of struggle towards the beginning half of the year uh, The Pac-12 is a little bit tougher than we all thought You know, the Pac-12 still has four teams Available, uh, a couple of them are going to play against Each other, uh, so four to the 16 That were uh, that were left, so um, Oregon but, State I mean, It's always kind of like that, just because yeah, They the play Coast, their games like in a, On their, Pac-12 their games, network, yeah, nobody's watching, yeah. nobody's paying attention and, and, and to be fair Like, I don't really think that the Pac-12 teams, like maybe Oregon slightly, like I don't think they were underseeded. They're just playing really, really well right now, and they outplayed the teams. Like none of these teams have felt like a top five team or probably even a top ten team throughout the year. You had like Oregon, Colorado, and USC that were you know top twenty-five-ish teams for for most of the year, um, and UCLA maybe right behind them, but. Um, Oregon State is playing some damn good ball right now And they're, they're going to go and, and try to win Playing against Loyola Chicago to get to the Elite Eight The second game on Saturday We've got Baylor as a 7, 7.5 point favorite Against Villanova uh, Over under in this one is around 141.5 And Baylor, you know, one of the Just the two number one seeds still left in the tournament um, No, 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 excuse me Michigan's still in tournament too Yeah, Sorry. I locked in uh, Baylor minus 6.5 off openers they looked pre-covid Baylor in that game against Wisconsin they're getting out wearing the break defense looked great they're making threes this is what I was used to seeing before yep. they had all that that big covid shutout Villanova they're missing Gillespie who's their best player and who's their point guard 
I mean, I'm amazed. It this shows is going to be how different good. than Winthrop in yeah. North Texas. For that, yeah. Winthrop's pretty good. Like they're, I was, and amazed they're good. They were but, able that, to get but what Baylor? Yeah, but what yeah. Baylor is going to bring from a, just an athleticism standpoint? Totally. I different. feel like this is going to be way different. And I totally agree different. with you. They looked in the last game like the Baylor towards the beginning of the year. And right now, with who's left, it does sort of feel like them and Gonzaga um, might be on a uh, collision course uh, to meet in the final. Don't sleep on Arkansas, man. Don't Arkansas. sleep on my hogs, dude. No. Okay, Don't well, let's talk about uh, let's talk about here they come. The the Hogs, Arky, you've got them in a couple of the bracket pools that I've been with you. They're playing, man, this Oral Roberts team has been so much fun. Uh, Osmus has been excellent. They are a really, really fun team to watch. But I think this line has been always above double digits. It's moved a little bit in the Oral Roberts direction. I think it was like 12, 13, and now it's moving closer to 11. Arkansas is uh, now around 11-point favorite, 159 on the over-under, and uh, a very nice spot for Arkansas to be a double-digit favorite to try to get to the Elite Eight. I locked in the over-159 here. This is going to be an up-and-down game. Um, and my 50-1 to 1 that I locked in in February still lives on with the Hogs. Yeah. Um, I will give the Arkansas coach Muzzleman credit. If you look at their preseason schedule, he went around and he locked in teams that made the tournament. They played the team that beat Texas, Abilene Christian, North Texas. They played Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts was actually up by 12. And then in the second half, Arkansas came back and won. And we saw in the first round against the game against Colgate with their pressure defense, they can be down by like 12 or 16 and get back into it in a snap of the fingers. And they have... The athleticism, they're 66 in the nation in offensive rebounds, so they can hit the glass. I just really think that Oral Roberts, they've out-rebounded huge in their last two games against Florida and and, uh, Ohio State. I think Arkansas is going to have a huge advantage in that. Last game, they out-rebounded them on the offensive glass, 23-6. to The way this Arkansas team struggles is when they play a team that slows it down. Oral Roberts doesn't do that, or when a team has a big. Oral Roberts doesn't have a big. This is just a great matchup from Arkansas. I expect the game to be close. Like the Colgate game, then Arkansas to pull away in the second half and cover the number. So if you can get Arkansas live at like a pick or a minus four, that'd be a great bet. But anything pre-flop, I'd go the over. I think the key for this game is just what you mentioned. The fact that Arkansas has played Oral Roberts before. Because uh, with Osmus and with Obanor, this is a really solid like smaller school in basketball. Because normally you get these teams in the tournament that upset. They've got like one stud. Right, they usually have like one guy. Uh, they actually have two, like very, very quality players on uh, on Oral Roberts. But the fact that Arkansas has seen them before, I think, is really going to play uh, play dividends for them. So I, I don't they, think exactly they know what they're getting. They have exactly, film on everybody. Yeah, yeah it's you great. got and film on them. You know how you match up with them. You have an idea of how to match up with them. You're you're not going to be caught by surprise, uh, which is which is how the better teams generally get beat in the tournament when they get caught by surprise. So I think this is just a uh, again, like a really nice spot for Arkansas to have to, you know, you, if I would have told you that Arkansas was still alive and they were a double-digit favorite to try to get to the Elite Eight a, a month ago, you would have sure signed up with that uh, with that ticket you oh got. My God. Oh, I think it's great, and I'm not going to let it ride. I mean, I really think because with how Baylor plays, they match up good with Baylor. Like, their toughest matchup in this whole bracket, as crazy as it sounds, was Purdue because of the size Purdue has and how they run their offense. As soon as North Texas... Not Dell Purdue. I mean, this really opened up for Arkansas. I love Arkansas in this region. 
And we've got the fourth and final Saturday game The number two seeded Houston uh, Minus six and a half or so uh, Over under is around 140 Against Syracuse who they With that zone they play you the first time And you're not used to them And then all of a sudden you're in trouble You're behind and they just figure out how to win in March I mean the thing that Syracuse does With the zone is They force these kids to do the lost art And that's the 12 to 15 foot jump shot like they, that's what they force them to do because at the three throw line, that's where the hole of the zone is. Everybody wants and, layup or and, three now, yeah. you know, and, and nobody wants to hit the it. hole in in the you know in the in the corners or in that mid range. Yeah, and that's where they force it. They force the 12, 15 footer. They're really good at closing out from the um, from the zone to protect against the three. Um, for me, this all comes down to how well Syracuse shoots the ball. Their first game, they had fifteen threes against San Diego State, fourteen against West Virginia. Anytime that a team has made more than 10 threes against Houston, they lost this year. And Cleveland State and Rutgers, who aren't three-point dominant shooting teams, combined shot a 42% against them. I really think Syracuse is going to be able to shoot the threes. I've questioned Houston's offense all season. They should have lost to Rutgers. I'm still bitter because I had Rutgers' money line at plus 310. I'm locked in on Houston here. Not Houston, excuse me. Syracuse plus the six and a half off of openers. And I think I am at plus two twenty or plus two twenty five to straight up win. I just think, I just think this Houston team is overvalued, and they have that key injury too to that uh, guard. So I really think that's a key to the game. If he's not one hundred percent, they have no chance. That is the South and the Midwest uh, regions on Saturday. On Sunday, we're going to have the West and the East regions. We kick off with the number one seed in the tournament. They are a 13-point favorite in this one. Uh, Over-under is around 158. Gonzaga against Creighton. I really like Gonzaga Hill here, but the number is just too big. I think this Creighton team is a bluff. They should have lost the first round against uh, uh, Santa Barbara. And then Ohio had their worst shooting game in the world, and they weren't able to put them away. I mean, Ohio couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. And the Zags team, they have the size, the Suggs at the guard. I just think this is going to be that Sunday mid-afternoon blowout. 13 is just way too big of a number for me to – Lay if this number if this game starts off tight and I can get like a minus six or minus five five to eight minutes in the game I'll look to take that but this number right here is just way too big for me yeah yeah I agree I think Gonzaga is going to win but I probably couldn't play it uh, at this number um, at uh, what the second game we've got Michigan Florida here uh, one seeded Michigan uh, against the number four seeded Florida Michigan got by Texas Southern and LSU uh, Florida State got by uh, UNC Greensboro and then by Colorado in order to get here they meet up to try to get to the elite eight I actually love Florida State here I locked him in at plus three off of openers they have Michigan has no livers livers unfortunately for them is out for the year with a and this is when it's gonna pressure. hurt yep they're going to run the offense through Dickerson. It's important to remember that Florida State is 10th in the nation in interior defense. Another key is no one that starts for Florida State is under six foot five. They are long and athletic, especially at the guard position. And I really think that the Michigan guards are going to struggle with that since they are a little bit of undersized. Also, historically, Florida State has had the tall athletic player that struggles to shoot. Um, this year they led the ACC in three-pointers made. So this is a different Florida State team that we're used to. I think they're insanely undervalued as a four seed. They were my pick to come out of this region. I think they still come out of this region. I have them a straight-up win, and I have them tied to a parlay with Syracuse and actually our next game with the Oregon Ducks. And LSU, I watched the whole Bonnie's game, 
LSU did not play well Really in either of those two games So I, I just think this is going to be a much much tougher game For I, Michigan I think LSU was actually in a position to win that game Because yeah. of the, excuse me, the Michigan game It was back and forth And then there was that critical situation Where number 24 for LSU drove Smith like flopped Got the charge Okay, and the call went their way And then Michigan came down hit a three That's a six point swing And that pretty much decided the game Yep, if they play that sort of game against Florida State, Florida State's going to win, and you can get plus two and a half, plus three in some spots. Over under is around a one forty three, one forty three and a half. Let's go to the third game of four on Sunday. Uh, we got a couple of West Coast uh, teams, a couple of SoCal teams still alive for the Pac twelve. UCLA playing against Alabama. Alabama is around a six and a half point favorite here, one forty five and a half. So we got the two seed Alabama against the eleven seeded UCLA Bruins, who had to beat Michigan State to get in, uh, and then uh, they beat BYU. Alabama has had a, a pretty easy road down on the bottom with uh, Iona and then with uh, with Maryland afterwards. So um, not not a bad spot for Alabama to have to go 15 seed, 10 seed, and 11 seed to try to get to the Elite Eight. I mean, UCLA is just playing with house money. I mean, they lost, yeah. what, four in a row to close, and they got in. They played a Michigan State team that this Wasn't isn't a typical, typical yeah. Izzo team. Caught BYU, and BYU I thought was a little overvalued based on their performance. Against the, Gonzaga. Uh, exactly. It, people saw over. that Gonzaga game when they were up, and all of a sudden BYU jumped up in people's perception. Yep, because people, as, us as sports fans remember the last thing we saw. Did we see? And, yep. Yep, instead of looking over the big thing. Um, I have no action in this pre-flop. I really like this UCLA team. They don't turn the ball over. That's why they're able to kill this Abilene Christian team that Texas lost to. Texas is sloppy with the ball. Like I said, they averaged 20 turnovers a game. They had 22. That was the game. UCLA barely turns the ball over. They're very disciplined. They make you defend for the whole shot clock. The big thing for this is UCLA defends the three-point line. They allow 26% shooting. While the um, what Alabama is shooting forty three percent to me that's the matchup right there is UCLA going to be able to defend the three point line that's what the matchup comes down to it's a great contrary styles play but for me I have to see how this game plays out so I'm going to be live betting if I see something but nothing pre flop. Yeah, if it floats up a little bit more Alabama's way, I might lean UCLA is for some of the reasons that you mentioned. They're very they're just a disciplined, well-coached team. They don't make a ton of mistakes. And so if that's the case with a team that plays pretty good defense, I'd usually take the points in that situation. So um, you know, I'll keep an eye on that. If this thing can get up to like seven, seven and a half, maybe even eight, um, I'd probably jump on UCLA there. And uh I'll hope that my Trojans in the final game can get to the Elite Eight. They've been playing some really good basketball, Eric. Uh, that last game they played. Uh, the one thing you know about USC is defensively, they're very good with both the Mobleys in there. They're big, they're long, they have a lot of size. When they're scoring the way they scored the other day, I don't think you can really count on them hitting the kind of uh, threes and that kind of percentage that they did. But when their offense is, is moving smoothly and they're able to get Mobley the ball and mix it around and just they kind of need one other guy in game one it was drew in game two it was isaiah mobley if somebody else can get them to like 12 points or so it just takes a lot of pressure off of uh off of evan so um i, I don't play i won't play this game likely as a usc fan i'll just be sitting and rooting uh oregon is playing really really well right now although when they played earlier in the year usc beat oregon uh oregon did have some COVID issues throughout the year but from a size matchup i feel like it's a very good matchup for usc because oregon is not very big Yes, I um I, I will say this: if you USC shoots the way they did against Kansas, nobody's beating them. I no, mean, that was impressive. They could beat Gonzaga or anyone. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, with what with the 
height, the athleticism, if they can get shots to fall like that, they're not losing anyone. But that is the big if in the room. You don't know if they're going to do that. Like you mentioned, um, last time they played was COVID. Normally what I would do in this situation, if they played three times, their second game was canceled, I'd definitely look at the under since they're so familiar with each other. But I'm not doing that. Um, basically, my thought process in this game comes down to what you mentioned earlier. I don't know, besides Mobley, who else is going to score. USC has two yep. dudes that average over 10 points a game. Oregon has five. So Oregon doesn't necessarily rely on one guy. They have multiple guys that can produce. And I think the game plan is going to kind of be like what Oregon did against the Duck, against, excuse me, Iowa. They were like, Garz is going to get his. We're just going to worry about everybody else. I think they're just going to let Mobley get his and try to shut down everybody and force, else. And force other people. And that's the key. If, if And like you said, that's the way to beat USC because um, that's the way they've lost games throughout the year consistently. You, you can look up after USC games sometimes and uh, that they've lost, and it's like, oh, Mobley's got 22 and 10 and two, three blocks, but they still lost by eight. Uh, because nobody else did anything Or they just had a tough time getting him the ball Sometimes it's even uh, turnovers Just trying to make the entry pass Down in the post to him So for USC I th- It all really comes down to the other guys uh, Isaiah looked great You know, If he's got that If he can play with that kind of an oomph He's going to really help them But this Oregon team is very very good uh, when And they're really well coached And once they get humming uh, They can Really score and and move up and down like they they are also coming off an absolute drubbing uh, where they were seriously imp- impressive. So Pac-12 I mean, has shown but, up so far. Yeah, Pac-12 is great. And like back to your boys, I really like the line open at USC minus one. It's up to minus two and a half, minus three in that area. So I definitely think there's money coming in on USC. So if you like USC, I'd maybe wait a little bit, try to get them live. We are in the Sweet 16, ETOF21 Sports helping us out. Eric, uh, what do you got coming up with the, the podcast and on the website over the next few days? Um, I'm going to have a podcast come out this uh, Saturday or Sunday, talk about my thoughts about college basketball, of course, the NASCAR race. Um, I am working on my pre-draft rankings for the NFL draft. I still need to watch a little bit of film. I'm a little bit behind in my film watching because all this college basketball, I'm not used to it. So oh, I know. And there's news all over the place uh, with NBA stuff going on too, uh, which uh, if you're an NBA fan, you want to stay tuned for just a minute because uh, in a coming up segment, Eric is going to be talking with me about the NBA trade deadline. We'll talk about uh, some of the big moves and some teams that we think improve. So thanks so much for helping us out, Eric. Best of luck with your, uh, your wagers in the Sweet 16 this weekend. Thanks. You too. Uh, we'll be right back here with plenty more on That's What G Said. Ooh, we're going to get into some more hoop with Eric, just uh, the NBA variety. We're going to talk about the trade deadline and some of the moves, who looks better, uh, who still needs some help, uh, and a little bit overall, everything going on in the NBA. First, we have to talk to you about Sarah Candle Company, C-E-R-A Candles.com. That's the website. Their goal was to create a candle 100% natural, clean burning, and of the highest quality that everyone can enjoy. What is different about Sarah Candles The all-natural soy wax, it's free from the toxins that are found in paraffin wax, which is used by a lot of the other leading brands. That all-natural soy wax will actually hold your scent better and burn up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candle. They are 100% lead-free, cotton wicks, completely natural scents. They're made in micro-batches. They're hand-poured to ensure the highest quality. They're locally sourced and handcrafted in the USA. 
tons of options, 25 plus different scents available, always adding different seasonal scents too, three different sizes for you to choose from, quality packaging, top ingredients, affordable prices, longer burning, better bang for your buck, none of those toxins, none of those carcinogens, none of those pollutants that are present in the paraffin wax candles. When you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you 10% off your purchase. These are a great gift for someone. They even give you instructions and details on how to keep your candle clean and ensure the perfect burn. C-E-R-A-Candles.com. Sarahcandles.com. Promo code G-I-N-O will get you 10% off your purchase. Back to Eric. We're going to talk now about uh, NBA with the trade deadline just finishing up earlier Thursday. Uh, We go over all the moves, uh, the major moves that have happened, and talk about which teams are improved and, uh, you know, some of the flexibility that it gives, you know, teams like Denver and Portland with some of the moves that they made and uh, maybe some teams who still are looking to add through the buyout. Everything about NBA trade deadline with Eric here on That's What G Said. NBA trade deadline, and uh, there was a good amount of movement here to join us to talk about uh, some of the big uh, moves, some of the players that actually didn't move, which may have been uh, the story, is our buddy Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports. So uh, heading into the trade deadline, Eric, there were probably three or four of the big names expected to move with uh, Oladipo, with Kyle Lowry, with Drummond. Um, and of those three, uh, only one of them ended up moving. But we did get a couple other uh, big players to move, a couple other under-the-radar uh, players to move. I, th- I think just like probably one of the bigger ones um, as far as like how he's been and uh, the quality of player is uh, Vucevic, uh, who's been really good in all-star for Orlando over the last couple of years. He's going to be heading to the Bulls. So the Bulls get Vucevic and all Farouk Aminu and Orlando gets Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter and two first round picks. So this will definitely help the Bulls get a little bit better this year and will give them an opportunity to try to make the playoffs. I mean, this move for me, like last time I was coming on, we talked about Taddeus Young and if they were going to move him or not to decide if they're going to make a playoff push. Obviously, this says, hey, we want to make the playoffs this year. We are going all in. I like him. I think he's a great fit. They're going to run the offense through him, takes pressure off of Levine. They have something cooking there. If they really would have been able to add ball from the Pelicans, I would have loved it. But I just, I really feel this is that team like, oh, wow, we made a series interesting. We take it to six in the first round if they play one of the top three teams. Yeah. I mean, it, it really doesn't move the needle. It makes them a little bit better. But now they're kind of in that dead zone of that five to seven range where the magic were. I think with Lowry, the fact that he just makes a little bit too much money for some of these other contenders to to have to part with to, to, to match up the salary it, at the 30 million mark you'd have to get to like 26 27 million just to match it up and I think for a team like the Lakers who would have loved to have Lowry or a team like the Clippers or or Philly who would have liked to have Lowry it would have been hard to send out like three rotation players to try to match that salary when you're already a contender for a guy that you may only get as a rental you know, and may not even be able to re-sign long term. So, um, I think in the end, the fact that he probably made thirty instead of like twenty to twenty-two or four million is what may have kept him there in Toronto. I mean, with Lowry, my thing is this: is the window to win in the NBA is so small because of contracts and everything. You look at a place like the 76ers, Okay, fine, you're not going to have him after this year probably. But right now, I don't see the 76ers of what they have beating Milwaukee or beating the Nets. But if they make Low- if they get Lowry. 
they have a shot. They could come out of the East. So I just really feel like when you're that close and you need that extra piece of you're the 76ers, I think I would have done it if I were them. If I were them, I would have done it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For the 76ers, for sure. For the Heat, I wouldn't have done it. Because the Heat Heat and the like Riley and the whole Heat um, organization, they have this mass obsession with Tyler Hero. Now, granted, he could develop in a good player, but right now, I really don't think he's as good as everyone perceives how he's going to transcend out. And they're offering Duncan Robinson. The Raptors have six guys that shoot a better three-point percentage on their team than Duncan Robinson. So, I mean, I just that never was going to happen. For your Lakers, they're kind of in an interesting position right now. They are. Yeah, no, they are. I mean, Laker, LeBron's out three to five weeks. No clue when AD is coming back. I mean, they could be in serious trouble. I mean, they could be in serious trouble. Yeah, four and a half out of not be of four and a half out of eighth place. So I mean, they're in a tough situation. I mean, I really don't. I mean, you watch way more Laker basketball the game than I have. I'm an old man. I go to bed early, dude. I don't watch all these Laker games that are start at ten thirty my time. Um, is this Tucker kid? Is he really going to be that real deal? Because that, I'm that, hearing he that was, was the reason, the whole. He's the reason why they didn't. And and I think it's a little more than Tucker too, because I think they do genuinely like. Schroeder and they like KCP and KCP hit some big shots for them last year and he's a clutch guy and so I think they probably looked at this as going that's three rotation players probably out of our top nine for an, a, a major upgrade at point guard uh with with Lowry um but I, I, like you said the window with LeBron I wouldn't have mind if they did it uh, I, I wouldn't have I don't really mind that they stood pat because I can understand why um and I think they must uh, the the rumors now with Drummond as either the Knicks or or the Lakers, um, he could help a little bit uh, while AD was out, and and maybe also you know help you know play a little little defense, just give you a big body there um, down the but stretch. With but Drummond, like I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. But no, with no, Drummond, like the Celtics traded away Theus, their starting center. Thice, yeah, that, or yeah, Thice or whatever. That tells me like. They they have a plan. They think they're, they they, think they're getting they, something. Yeah, I mean, like, have it be Aldridge, but Aldridge is rumored to go to Miami, maybe Drummond. But like you said, Drummond's rumored to come out to you guys in Los Angeles. So I really, that trade was the one I was like, why are you doing this? Because you need a big. So I think there's something there, maybe in the buyout market, that we don't know about. Uh, there's small moves to talk about. Delon Wright to the Kings for Corey Joseph and picks. Um, we've got, uh, let's see, uh, JaVale McGee going to Denver for Isaiah. Real, real quick with that one, though. Yeah. I think the McGee trade, I think that's the under-the-radar trade that isn't getting enough publicity. I know that the Nuggets are missing my boy, Jeremy Grant, who's showing showing up for my Pistons. They added Aaron Gordon, who's going to add some versatility. But I also really feel the Nuggets are missing Mason Plumley. Plumley left, and when Plumley was there Athleticism, last year, just give had, Jokic a little, a few minutes to spell, you know. And McGee was able to do that, and they were missing that this year. Now they have McGee, so if you need that big, he can come in there and rebound and do all that stuff. They also have who's the other guy, Jermichael Green. So if yep. you need a big that can stretch a floor, they have him. It just it's kind versatility. of versatility. Yeah, what they did by adding Gordon and um, Javale McGee. They're getting ready for Portland, for Utah, for for the, for the Clippers, Lakers. Javale can come in and give you four yeah. or five fouls on AD. For you know? all the Same. bigs you have to go through. I really like. I think with the Nuggets, I think the trade trade deadline. So uh, we talked about the the Bulls for, with Vukovic. Um, Boston made a trade to get Fournier. Uh, I kind of like that one. I, a couple I, seconds. I think they needed a, yeah. another scorer, another guy who could take the ball because after Tatum 
and Brown with how bad Kemba's been. It's like Smart sometimes thinks he's going to take every single shot. They just needed another guy there, sort of a wingish kind of scorer. And Fournier can score. He, he I think he's a little bit underrated. I love him. I mean, he was able. He was always kind of like the man that would try to create it in Orlando to close out the game. This is going to take pressure off him. He can spot up. He can hit the J. There's going to be a like lot 39 less percent from three this year. Yeah. And but the main thing is, are Brown and Tatum going to be able to get him the ball when twos run at him? Because I've been on the show before and I said that's their biggest issue. Like, are they going to be able to do that? Because if they are, he's going to be able to knock down. We talk about uh, Denver getting uh, a little more versatility. They added Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a first-round pick. So now you've got uh, Aaron Gordon, who, again, gives you some real versatility. You can play him next to Jokic. He can try to play a little defense if you need to on a guy like LeBron. Uh, he's he's athletic. He can hit the three sometime. He's been a little inconsistent, but his ceiling is very high, and this is kind of a good fit for him where he can sort of do... I think there's not like a lot of pressure on him to score. He can be a little bit uh, maybe more athletic of what they were getting from Millsap last year. He's a huge defensive upgrade over Millsap and over Michael Porter uh, Jr. I mean, this to me just says, hey, we messed up by not going more after Grant. This is the best we can do. But I really like the signing. I agree. I think it's a great move for them. Uh, Miami gets Bialita. Uh, Sacramento gets Mo Harkless and Chris Silva. This will help Miami. Miami ended up kind of sneaky at the end of the trade deadline, picking up like three or four solid moves, and their rotation is going to look a little bit better than it did a few days ago. But that's the thing. Like, I really just don't because Oladipo hasn't been the same since all these leg injuries. And I mean, if I'm the Rockets right now, if I'm a Houston Rockets fan, I'm thinking to myself, we traded James Harden, and right For just now. Picks. Or just picks, really. <laughs> Basic, yeah, and Avery Bradley and Telly Otinick. You would have been better off just keeping Levert and Jarrett Allen. Because that's I mean, the initial I don't think the they're picking was. themselves for not just getting Ben Simmons, right? You know, oh, yeah, like for sure. They because sure. they, they didn't want to deal with Maury and they were bitter about him. And and so they're yeah, they're not in the greatest shape right now, but, Houston, which is picks, 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 and not like a sexy, I, I feel bad for their coach Silas who waited a long time and he, and he seems like a nice guy and a good coach and he just was thrown into a terrible situation oh, there aw- Yeah, awful, I mean this GM has totally shown within one year he is awful uh, Back to the heat though, Oladipo knee issues just hasn't been the same and I've been watching the couple Rackets games I watched, it played awful They're rumored to get LaMarcus Aldridge I'm friends with a lot of people in San Antonio I mean his effort level is awful and, and he's, he's never shooting. been a good defensive player. Yeah. And he's not shooting anywhere near what he used to be. He got benched for the Spurs who are fighting for a playoff spot. So I really think like all these Miami Heat Twitter is like, oh, we got we're gonna get Aldridge, we have Oladipo, we have Butler, and we kept Hero, we kept Duncan. Okay, are you still gonna beat the 76ers like, or the Nets? You know what I mean? You're not than any of the top three the needle. Yeah, you're not yeah. moving the needle at all. So I mean if this was like what three years ago, okay, I get it. But this is 2021. I really don't think this does anything for him to improve. One of Miami's moves was uh, getting Victor Oladipo, trading Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk, and the 2022 uh, swap. And then uh, you mentioned uh, as they are rumored to be getting uh, Aldridge, perhaps in a buyout. Uh, they also were in that trade to pick up uh, Bielitsa. Um, Let's see, Portland gets Norman Powell He is really under the radar um, Toronto gets Gary Trent Jr. And Rodney Hood, so you basically like Get an upgraded version of the guys That you traded, because Norman can score a little bit More than Gary Trent, who had a great uh, run In the bubble, and he's actually had a good year But 
This is not a bad move for them Gets them a little bit more punch And I think I think they probably looked at Gary Trent And Rodney Hood And feel like if we're closing games out With Dame and CJ It's better to have Norman Powell out the wing Than someone like Gary Trent Jr. Because I think it hurts them They're just a little too small defensively With all them out there Powell has been really under the radar And really good in that 17 to 20 point range for a while I mean he's averaging 19 a game He's shooting over 44% for threes this year Out of the players who have shot over 200 threes He has the third highest percentage Great floor spacer Great on defense Better than what they're rolling out there To me right now like Portland, this ad bumps them up. Yep. They they bumped up. They're a dangerous team. You now, can't double the Lakers have a lot of Dame. issues. Yeah. Clippers can't have issues. Dame. Can't double CJ now because you'll have a wide open, really good three point shooter here with uh with Powell. And as you mentioned, like the West is tough. And if everybody's healthy come playoff time, it's gonna be tough to get through a playoff series, but the Lakers have issues right now. They're not healthy. Uh, the Clippers have been struggling inside the locker room. The two teams that are like the one and two seeds. I mean, are you terrified of Utah or Phoenix teams that haven't proven themselves at like a championship level quite yet? You're you're telling me Portland and Dame would be scared of matching up in a series against Utah? They would not at all. Not at all. I mean, they've been there. They've done that. This team. You have to remember before all the injuries last year, the year before, they made the Western Conference Finals, so they have the experience. This is a great ad for him. For me, Powell, out of all the Raptors from the beginning to his last game, he was playing the best basketball top yeah. to bottom. So, I mean, this is, this is a great under-the-radar ad for him. Uh, Philly ends up getting George Hill Kind of like their consolation uh, For not getting Lowry They get a, a point guard who's played in some big games uh, The Knicks get Terrence Ferguson OKC gets Austin Rivers, Tony Bradley Two second round picks So, Because some guys that we may see as as buyout guys um, You could see someone like Austin Rivers, maybe even Rodney Hood Who just went to Toronto um, We could see people like uh, A uh, Auto Porter maybe in Orlando As possibly a, a buyout uh, Possibility too so some of these Players that were moved in trades that, that have gone To teams that aren't trying to contend They may get bought out um, Philly picking up George Hill so I guess it, it just Helps their guard depth a little bit there And, and gives them another guard who and, um, Can maybe close out games for them in some When some you way. think of Philly it blows my mind How they legitimately could have Had Harden and didn't pull it off Lowry couldn't and Lowry. I mean it just and like I said, the window is so small. Like you I, got said, Embiid I, I said, one right yeah, now Embiid's playing the best injury, he's ever been. But he's he's hurt. He's a walking. He's yeah. an injury waiting to happen. Exactly. So how you you got to strike right now with with them and Philly hasn't won or really even been close to winning in a while. You got to go all in right now. I I I agree. I thought they were the team that really had to go try and get Lowry. They didn't. George Hill is going to be the the guy they hope can help them out a little bit. But how much? Uh, we'll see And the interesting still- one is the Clippers added Rondo too yeah. Rondo for Lou Williams Now Rondo's going to come in He's going to play that point guard We've talked before how the Clippers really need that point guard Does Rondo really answer? Like, I gotta say I, Lou I Williams so. is better than Rondo Oh and for sure I've said it on here but when we've talked I really feel that Lou Williams should have the ball at the top of the key When the game's on the line He should be the guy going ISO And Rondo has been Awful all year long He was great last year in the playoffs Hell he helped the Lakers win the title He was their third fourth best player And he was like hitting open threes He was doing a little bit of everything But if I don't think you can Really like 
count on that from him again. I think it was one of those situations where like the Lakers got it and then they kind of rolled with it, you know, but they weren't expecting Rondo to be that guy for them. And so if the Clippers are bringing Rondo in and expecting that, you just lost like 15 points a game from a guy and and Lou has struggled in some of his playoff runs, but he's still a guy that can absolutely win you a game or two in a series and swing a series when he gets hot. I I don't really know if this is much of an upgrade, and and I think they also had to give a, a like a couple second round picks in order to get Rondo for Lou. So yeah, I don't know how much. I mean, if we get playoff Rondo and he's the same exact guy that he was in last year's playoff, then yes, this will be a very good acquisition for the Clippers. But can you expect that? I can't. I, I mean, can't. like no. maybe it's their leadership. Maybe they need that leadership, and that's why they're bringing him in. They're like, hey, Rondo, you're going to come in. You're going to be the leader. George and Leonard, you're going to do the basketball stuff because we both know neither one of those guys. Well, that team doesn't look up to George at all. No, I think he's a clown and Leonard isn't vocal enough. Maybe that's why they're bringing him in there because they, they feel they need that veteran. And he can do that. Leader. He can do that. But it's it's easier to do that when you're on the court. Right. And, and playing well, sometimes it's hard to be that guy when you're not playing well or not playing in meaningful moments. So we'll see how he uh, how he fits in there with them, because I think that is an ad like they needed a point guard orchestrator type and he will fit well. If he is able to give them like a Rondo If he gives them like C Rondo And he's not really hustling a lot on defense And he's just kind of small And he's not shooting all that great from the three And then he's like sort of being passive uh, to finish Because he's not a great free throw shooter Um, That's the bad version of Rondo Um, We'll see which one we end up getting And Lou could end up getting bought out Right I don't really don't know if like you want him on that team Because I mean Trey Young and Lou Williams on the court together is going to be a You're, disastrous play defensive. And, yeah, and Trey Young's going to play thirty-five minutes. Yeah, right, forty minutes. Like he's going to play a ton of most of your games. It's not like they really need a backup. Although Lou does like uh, Atlanta and the the Hot Wings down there, right? And I the, know that's probably the, the biggest joints. winner. That's probably I was the biggest say, winner. The strip joints and the uh, yeah, and the hot wings down in Atlanta because uh, Lemon Pepper Lou is going to be uh, enjoying himself down there. Um, yeah, uh, in that Miami trade for Oladipo, we could see uh, Bradley and maybe Avery Bradley and maybe Kelly Olynyk possibly being buyout guys too. Um, they end up in Houston. Um, they might be able to go to a team and uh, and help give it a little bench depth there. Avery Bradley has. Not been able to really stay on the court all that much this year But he actually had some really good games for the Lakers last year uh, Prior to the bubble And he was playing good defense and, sh- and shooting well I wouldn't be shocked if somebody took a swing on him um, And uh, and then I think one of the more recent trades uh, and One of the last ones of the day Was Dallas um, picking up J.J. Redick for James Johnson and uh, second rounder They also got uh, Melly Melly's not bad either And Redick, he's struggled throughout the year But you put him next to Doncic, um, you know, I, I still think he can make wide-open shots. I mean, this is his worst shooting year since 2012 from three-point line. So, I mean, he's kind with, of, yeah, yeah, he's kind of been struggling. But, I mean, at least because of his history, you do have to respect him, and you can't yep. sag off of him. It, op- it, it keeps your, your offense open, right? And I he mean, will get the respect. I really feel like with the Mavericks built as they are, I really – they. I mean, if I if I'm in the the Western Conference and they make the playoffs, that'd be the team I wanted to be matched up with. Compared to you, look at everybody else in there. You look at like Portland, the Nuggets. Memphis, I think the Nuggets got Portland a lot State. better. In this, yeah, if they if they sneak in and they're in the bottom half, I wouldn't want to play them. If the Mavericks get in, 
I mean, yeah, I'd want to play the Mavericks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just don't. Yeah. I think they're missing a couple pieces, especially. I don't really don't think Porzingis can be a two guy. No Lonzo, no Lowry, uh, Drummond, and Aldridge look like they're going to be getting bought out, and so we'll see where they land in the next few days. Rumors for Aldridge or Miami, rumors for Drummond, uh, the Knicks and the Lakers um, are possibilities for him, and then uh, some of these other players that moved around, and some of the other veterans now will that that weren't able to get uh, to get any value in trades will will probably end up getting bought out soon, and um, I'm sure the Nets, the Lakers, the Heat. Clippers, uh, they'll probably add uh, another player or two and uh, and and bolster their roster a little. Like, hey, for the Lakers, uh, Markeith Morris started games for them in the playoffs last year, and he had some big shots. So sometimes you can add these buyout guys that can really help you. I mean, uh, for sure. I mean, if you get that right piece that makes in, I think it's great. Also, a trade that happened last week, which I really think helps the Bucks, is they got P.J. Tucker. Yes, good, um, good. I mean, he, I know he's a little bit old, and I know he's never going to be that quote-unquote stack sheet stuffer. But when you have a defensive lineup of P.J. Tucker, Giannis, Drew Holiday in a seven-game series, that is going to be really tough. And he's shown he can body up people. Way and he bigger can hit than an him open. and stronger. You want to go to a fight with him on your side. And I think he's just going to be relieved he doesn't have to play center anymore because he's been playing center for how long for Houston? I think that is a great under-the-radar pickup that happened earlier Bucks always seem to be buyers in the in the buyout market. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Rubio got bought out. Yeah, kind of surprised me that Collins for Atlanta wasn't traded because they didn't re up him. I agree. Um, you mentioned Ball. It surprised me he wasn't moved because they've been holding him out for games. I heard he's healthy. They're just holding Brogdon. Him out there were some movement. rumors about him with Indiana. That was uh, something else, like Brogdon and Sabonis. Like they yeah. calls about Sabonis. So it kind of tells me Pacers are trying to hit the reset. I mean, with Brogdon, it kind of shows you like when you go from being the guy that people ran off of to help the star versus the star, the night and day, you know, because yep. in Milwaukee, people ran off of him to check Middleton or Giannis to help out. And he was getting all those open looks. Now you go to Indy in Indy. You're the guy in the, with the ball in your hands to close the game. It's a whole different world. And he was really struggling with that. He's, he's a, he's a good three guy in a championship team or a team at least battling for it. Um, and also I thought marketing from the bulls. Yeah. That's another guy. I really thought he was going to get, and I don't know. There's just a couple of guys I thought were going to get moved that just didn't get moved at the end of it. Seems a little weird because, yeah, it's uh, you're sort of going to be in a situation where you, you wanted to get a little something for them if they're going to be leaving. And uh, we'll see, yeah, with guys like Markkinen and Lonzo, uh, are they going to be re-upped by their old team or are they going to go somewhere else for uh, for some more money? Um, NBA tread, trade deadline, lots of movement. And now we are on to uh, the real you know second half of the season now with uh, some players being added via buyout. But I think, uh, like you said, the West, some of those teams in the middle – they look good. Denver and and Portland, the two teams that we talked about with some of their acquisitions. I think Powell helps Portland uh, a little there, and then for Denver, the the big that they add with McGee gives them just a little bit of bench depth, and then bringing in Gordon also. Uh, just like you said with they can they can trot out a lot of different lineups, and they can throw when when they need to bring Jokic out for a second. They can run some stuff with Murray and with McGee there, and uh, McGee can pick up a few fouls and just kind of eat some minutes for you there, like a you know like an extra like. Rotation pitcher that you need sometimes That's what the Lakers got um, Had last year with McGee and Dwight That's why they have Gasol there Just kind of like a body That if you need to go small, you smaller You have Montrez like it's night. These teams that can, can run things at you Three or four different ways Are the ones that can really match up in the playoffs, like look at what the Lakers did last year throughout the series that they played. They played Portland in uh, in the first series. Then they played Houston, where they couldn't even go big at all. 
they like Dwight and JaVale couldn't play whatsoever. They had to go really small. Then you play against uh, Denver and you have to go big. So it's nice. You end up bringing Dwight and JaVale. You dust them off the shelf and you use them. I think the teams that have the opportunity to play different styles are the ones that are going to be more successful. And it feels like Portland and Denver just got a little bit better. And the key thing is, is they got better without really giving up that much. Yes. Denver gave up Gary Harris, and I love Harris, former Spartan, but he's been hurt basically for the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. So he's not really been a piece for them at all. Um, who else was in the trade? They gave like they protected second round picks, really. Like, I mean, they really didn't give up that much. They basically kept everything intact. I think it was a great, uh, great move for Denver, and the same thing with Portland. I mean, just, I'd like, rather upgraded. have, yeah, yeah. And I'd rather have Portland. Powell than, than Trent, who who is good And like, I think Trent is good, but it just From a size thing, what makes it difficult For Portland is that their two studs Are sort of smaller And not the greatest defensive players in the world So when you already have two guys that are a little bit Smaller and you're undersized You can't have all of your perimeter Players completely undersized Then you're in a bad spot You put someone like Powell out there and it just sort of changes The dynamic Oh, for sure, for sure That was a Powell and Gordon were the two, three big trades. I think those two teams are the ones that improve the most. Sixers, yeah, George Hill, he'll come in. He'll make some shots. He'll be a good leader. He can run the point when Simmons isn't in there. But For them, it's going to be Embiid. Yeah. He's got to be Yeah, I really, I really don't think that really, quote, unquote, moves the needle. But, you know, are, is this a, are the Sixers better with Hill? Yeah, did they give up that much for him? No. So, I mean, that is technically, I think Miami, I think they're kind of getting a little overvalued, just a name recognition. Um, I mean, my Pistons adding two more second round picks, great move for them. Um, just because that Joseph money isn't guaranteed. So they right was guaranteed for next year. Joseph is off, off the book. So I like that move. I'm kind of glad they didn't trade, uh, Jeremy Grant just because I know they could have got two first rounds for him, but I mean, they'd be from playoff teams. I mean, how many times do you really get a good player? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't mean to go in the you're better off they're take, awful, but You're better off sticking it out with Jeremy, who who seems like he likes to be there. And, and it, at the yeah. very least, he just kind of keeps you. You need you need some guys, right? Like, yeah. you, you can't have a team of just complete young guys. Like, somebody's got to score 20 for you and help you out a little bit. Like, so he, he seems like he's a good fit. Like, he's he's done a pretty good job there, and it seems like he enjoys being there. Oh, for sure. And I really like, like, Orlando had to hit the rebound. We all knew that because they were in that dead zone of, like, got a great haul for Vuce. Oh, yeah. Oh, they got a great haul. They got picks. I love R.J. Hampton. Yeah, Yeah. love him. Harris can never stay healthy. They got Marquez Fultz down there. If Isaacs can get back, they got Mobamba. They have a a lot of young pieces. They added some draft capital. I think they did well, too, for what they're trying to do down there. So, I mean, I think they're heading in the right direction. And those picks aren't going to be, just like we were saying, the picks picks they got back aren't going to be terrible. They could be some solid picks back. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, the thing with Orlando is they have no state income tax down there. So, I mean, they have to eventually be able to draw someone if they just have some young talent there, and I think that's what they're trying to do. Got a hit on one of these uh, on one of these lottery picks that they'll have, and they'll have uh, a few of them coming up over the next couple of years. Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports. Uh, give him a follow on social media. Uh, check out the podcast. Check out the website. Give us all your plugs. Where can we find the pod? Where can we find the site? Uh Etoff21sports.com, come out with um, a blog and be having some NFL draft thoughts, scouting thoughts coming up within the next couple of weeks. Next year's fantasy football rankings are already up on that. Um, podcast will come out this Saturday with some NBA thoughts, some thoughts on the NFL, 
NASCAR betting preview. And you can follow me on social media at ETOF21Sports on Twitter. And Thanks so much, buddy. Uh, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll link back up with you next week, talk a, a little NBA, see who's been uh, who's making moves, and hopefully my Lakers can uh, can win a game or two. Just get a little confidence because, man, I don't want to lose like 10 in a row, which could – I think they're up to four right now, and uh, and they don't have the easiest schedule coming up. So uh, I know nobody nobody is ever feeling sorry for the Lakers out there. That's what I deal with as a Laker fan. <laughs> I mean, tough five-week stretch, man. I mean, yeah, uh, fall down to seven, have the Suns first round, that could be deadly. Eric always does a great job here helping us out in every sport you can possibly imagine. And, oh, man, we're going to have to get you to uh, talk a little wrestling coming up because it's going to be a huge week or two with all of the different WrestleMania, NXT, everything going. And I know you're a wrestling fan, too, so we'll have to talk some wrestling coming up in the next few weeks. Sounds good, my man. Thanks so much, Eric, joining us here again on That's What She Said. Don't go anywhere, folks. Plenty more. Appreciate Eric helping us out with a little college, then with a little NBA, and uh, we will be moving on over to the horse racing portion of this show in just a second. First, we have to let you know about Cindy Carava, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Her website is C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. She's a full-service realtor, which means she can help you out in many different ways, like selling, purchasing, leasing. She can help you find vendors like a handyman, painter, landscaper, gardener that she personally uses in her own home. Uh, maybe you need help getting pre-approved for a home loan. She'll connect you with lenders that she she works closely with and can highly recommend. She covers all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, parts of North San Diego County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe. Maybe you're just curious to see how much your home is worth. She can do a free market analysis of your home's value. You can find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow. But the easiest way, CindyCarava.com. You can find all of the contact information there. Because moving, it's stressful relocating everything that goes into that process Cindy will take care of you she is one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet CindyCarava.com okay let's get into some horse racing the stable dual schedule for the weekend on Friday you've got that final qualifier at Gulfstream Park the Florida Derby qualifier it's a top three $250 buy-in and the winner gets Two thousand. The winner gets a thousand and a free entry into the Florida Derby game Saturday. Runner-up gets six hundred, and the third-place finisher gets four hundred bucks. And on Friday, there are a couple other options for you at Gulfstream Park if you want to play the twenty-five dollar game, a ten dollar game. There's a free ride at Sam Houston. There's a five dollar game at Tampa, a five dollar game at Golden Gate, a two hundred fifty dollar double up at Santa Anita, and a ten dollar game there at Santa Anita. Then uh, on Saturday. They've got the Dubai World Cup, a couple different games. You can play in a smaller one for 10 bucks. You can also play in a $1,000 double up. Then the big one, the Victory Racing Partners Florida Derby Fortune. $150 to enter, $25,000 in prizes, and the opportunity to win 1% of a horse. You can become a horse owner. Make sure to check out all the details there at StableDuel.com. You can play in a Gulfstream Park contest for 10 and a Santa Anita contest for 5 And then on Sunday, Tampa Bay Downs has a $20 contest. Gulfstream has a $10 contest, a $250 triple up. Laurel has the free ride there on Sunday. Hawthorne gets into the mix. They have a $2 contest. Golden Gate, you can play for 5 bucks, And at Santa Anita for 25 or in the $100 triple up. So this weekend, 
You've got massive games at Gulfstream Park. You got free rides at Sam Houston and at Laurel Park. And just look at all of the different options as far as amounts of money you can play in games that are free, that are uh, five bucks, that are two bucks, all the way up to games that are a thousand dollars. They just continue to add more and more over at Stable Duel. Each and every week. One of those contests that we could try to qualify and win our way into the Saturday Gulfstream Park contest is Friday at Gulfstream Park. So get your past performances out for Friday, March the 26th. We're going to look at a couple races at Gulfstream Park. I'm going to flip to race number three. And I'm looking at the 10 who uh, is 20-1 to 1 on the morning line. This is a filly, uh, Aspropatia, who she got bumped around a a bunch at the start and then going into the turn she got floated wide she had absolutely no chance so put a line through her last start two starts back it was a race where she basically got eased against maiden special weights on the synthetic at turfway and she ran twice on that against maiden specials and she didn't really run all that well maybe she didn't like the synthetic look at her debut at churchill in a tougher maiden race that was not bad at all she's getting back to the dirt here I think she's a little bit sneaky and a little bit interesting at a massive price on the morning line. I think she's going to get bet down a little bit off of that. This is not the strongest race in the world. She's a great horse to use in your stable duel lineups. If she is 10 to 1 or so, I'm making a win wager on the number 10 in race number 3 there at Gulfstream Park on Friday. Let's move to the fourth race here. I'm looking at the two Dream of Warrior, who I think is going to sit second pretty nicely. Blinker's on. She uh, He made a move up to challenge at the top of the lane, but he was no match for chasing Artie, who uh, was the uh, pace setter and eventual winner that day. The horse who finished second came back to win, and look who that horse beat in his most recent start. Uh, Nako, the, the number three right next door. Uh, was defeated by Wara, who also comes out of the same race that Dream of Warrior was in on February 26th. So I think Dream of Warrior has a chance to sit maybe right behind uh, the three and get the trip. Let's use the two. Dream of Warrior will make a win wager if we can get anything around 7-2 to two or so in race four there at Gulfstream Park on Friday. Let's move along to race number seven at Gulfstream Park. Okay, this is just one I, I had to mention. I do think uh, she has a, a good opportunity. Make sure to throw her into your late uh, exotics. But um, when handicapping, I found this. If you were an old fan of TVG and some of the harness racing and shifts I work, you remember the bonkers for Yonkers. Well, we've just got bonkers in, in race number seven at Gulfstream Park. So bonkers for bonkers, uh, a horse who is super logical for Maker and for Irad coming into the uh, Maker Barn, and this is actually one of Maker's strongest moves, getting horses like this uh, onto the grass and showing improvement with them, so uh, obviously a very logical filly, but she's going to be taking money, and, and generally not the type of horses that I'd like to give out, but maybe uh, a horse that you would you know, try to single against uh, Mint Edition uh, if Mint Edition is taking a, a lot of money to start this pick for, but just one that I thought was fun and worth, uh, worth mentioning. One more play for you today at Gulfstream Park That is going to be in race number 10, and I'm looking at the five in here. Iris the Empress, up and down this field, uh, it's not the strongest race in the world. They're going to be going a mile and a 16th on the turf course. We got Maiden, $35,000 claimers, Phillies, three-year-olds. Iris the Empress debuted against better Maiden specials back in August of 2020, and then 
actually showed a little bit of speed that day, and then was sent to the bench for a while, showed up for a newborn, again tried maiden specials, but those groups were just a little bit too tough, and now she's going to really enjoy this drop in class, she's going to put two starts together, and she's going to fire a, a much better effort than we've seen from her so far, so if she's in, in the 7-2 to two range or so, I think she's worth uh, putting a few bucks to win on the number 5, Iris the Empress in race number 10 at Gulfstream Park. So those are our plays for Gulfstream Park for Friday. Let's head on over to Sam Houston and talk about their Friday card. Let's turn to race number two at Sam Houston. Uh, first race is Arabian race, so uh, we'll get to the first thoroughbred race, which is the second. Kicks off the early pick four sequence. We've got Texas bred $5,000 claimers, Phillies and Mares, three-year-olds and up. They're going to be going five furlongs here. I thought the six Moro coffee uh, was interesting. I mean, coming off of a, a maiden special weight victory last time out, shown a little bit of speed, but she can also sit and pass horses as she proved last time out. So thought she would be pretty tough in here. The... Five, Zoe's Gold Lady, um, also a horse that I would probably include in some exotics. I'll take a shot against Miss Red Rocket, the number eight. Uh, she's dropping in class slightly, but, you know, I thought her last race, she was lone speed on paper. She got as perfect of a trip as you could imagine, clearing the field, not going fast, and she just wasn't quite good enough. She was behind Zoe's Gold Lady a couple starts back, where she did have a little bit of trouble that day, but I just expected her to win that one last time out, and if she comes back and beats me at a really short price, I won't be too upset. We'll take a shot against her in here. We'll use the 6, the 5, and the 7 in the uh, early pick 4 sequence, playing against Miss Red Rocket. Uh, the number five, Zoe's Gold Lady, just feels like sort of a measuring stick at this level. I don't really think uh, uh, she is going to dominate this field or anything like that, but she just kind of got the right running style to fall into a good trip if, if nobody else jumps up and runs well in here. My Golden Bling, with the blinkers on, will try to steal this race and is no doubt the quickest uh, in here. Probably a couple horses towards the inside that we could see flash a little bit of speed, but my golden bling will try to steal this race here. Six, five, seven for me in race number two at Sam Houston. Moving on to the third race, Texas bred three-year-olds, five and a half furlongs the distance. These seven Moro jet setter drawn well to the outside uh, with Rush the Colors as the one to beat. Rush the Colors slightly turning back from six to five and a half. Rush the Colors going third start off the bench, but there is some other speed in here with the one wings from Eno, the two uh, Senor Bibi also has a little bit of speed. Carrie Stone has shown some speed at times, so... Uh, I thought Moro Jet Setter with the outside draw and perhaps the opportunity to get uh, a little more of an off-the-pace trip could benefit, especially for a barn like Caldwell, who is much better with horses that are making a couple starts, not quite as much of a barn that's known for firing first time out or uh, or even really early with uh, with some of their horses that haven't raced a whole ton. Seven, six, and then the five, Carry Stone, who will step back up, but... He's performed well against Maiden Specials. He's got a little bit of pace. He can pass horses a tad. Uh, he wouldn't shock if he was right in the mix with here. I'm sort of against Senor Bibi, who I think might just get caught up in the pace with a couple others down towards the inside, but uh, does drop out of uh, a couple stakes races where he actually did run pretty well there. Seven, six, five as we move along to race number four here. 5,000 non-three claimers, six furlongs the distance. I'm going to go to the five. Blue Blazes, who third start off the long, long layoff runner-up last time out after uh, stalking a little bit, moving nicely, and any step forward in here for this filly will uh, make her very tough in here. 
If you look at the number six, salacious accusation, and just toss the last race, her form prior to that was pretty good. She just sort of had a, a tough trip. Um, this is a barn that's been struggling as of late and is due for a, a bit of luck. So let's use the six horse in some exotics because the ability to bounce back, uh, you know, to some of the earlier races would make this one a, a player at a price. The number three, true friend. Coming off of a, a big victory last time out, and True Friend is, you know, showing a lot of races against Tougher where he she would be pretty tough. It's just never easy to leave the Asmussen barn, but this Craven's barn it, it does very good first start off the claim. Five, six, three, one would be the other one for me, a little bit techie, who is going to be cross-centered uh, on Saturday uh, also. So a little bit techie, um, wherever she shows up, if she does, she's a, she's a tad bit interesting because she has a little bit of early speed and she'll go first start off the claim for Broberg. 5-6-3-1 in race number four at Sam Houston. Moving along to race number five at Sam Houston. I thought the one gazing who's going to get back to the grass, Gonna uh, will actually stretch back out, was on the grass going five furlongs last time out, get back to going long on the grass, where uh, she actually performed pretty well at Turf Paradise earlier on in her career. So third off, stretches out, better races are going long just in general. I think you're going to see a lot of improvement from gazing in here. The number one, we'll use the number seven, a raging gold digger everywhere for Pish. Uh, second start off the short little break, and if she's just a little bit sharper off of that, she will win this race. She's going to be pretty tough in here. The number five, Badgeri Candy, another one who's stretching back out from five furlongs to a mile. And she's just performed a lot better going longer. You know, look at her most recent form going uh, a bit longer. Last time out, I think it's very easy to just excuse that race going five furlongs. She just got outrun and she will be much more forwardly placed in here, more of a, a stalking trip than having to come from way, way out of it. 175 in the fifth at Sam Houston on the Friday card. In race number six, we move along. It's the start of your late pick five there. It's going to go a mile on the main track. We've got an allowance race for Phillies and Mares, three-year-olds. And up. I'm really curious what happens in here with the... Because you've got the six Spanx Legacy, who's quick. You've got Distorted Flash, who's actually stretching out from a couple sprints. And she's quick. Uh, Miss Perdido Key has a little bit of positional speed. I don't know how fast. And uh, between those three, towards the outside... You could, if you told me any one of them was on the lead, it wouldn't shock me. You got a horse like Heavenly Rhythm, who I think will probably want to stalk a little bit more from the inside. But with that draw, sometimes you have to get aggressive. So in this short field, um, the the pace to me is a little bit head scratching. So I'll, I'll probably use the two horses who I think might be able to uh, be the most adaptable. Uh, the four Distorted Flash, you know, she actually might be the quickest, but she has shown us that she can sit off a, a little bit if she has to and pass some horses. Uh, but I think she might actually be able to steal it. She's run really well here and upgrade me. Comes off of a runner-up effort against First Level Allowance Company last time out, and uh, that was going six for a long. So even you know, even her stretching out, she could you know end up just a lot closer. But her best races are when she's able to stalk and pounce, and I'm hoping that's the kind of trip they uh, they elect for in here. Four two in race number six at Sam Houston on Friday. Moving along to race number seven in here, I love the three tapping for a dance who was close up 
uh, last time we saw him on March the 11th, uh, early on on the inside. He was able to get to the two path in between horses, but he was in a little bit tight. He had to back out of it, but he really kept trying hard. He angled out. He came on again. He was only beaten three quarters of a length, even with that sort of a trip where he had to back up and, and angle around. That was his first start on turf. That was his first start in three plus months. That was his first start for this barn over this turf course. There are plenty of reasons to expect some improvement for Tappen for a dance. First off the claim for an excellent first off the claim barn. Tappen for a dance is my top selection. Underneath Tappen for a dance, the five soul ready. Beating just a neck uh, against first level allowance. And he's been in nice form as of late. The number two, uh, Vehement, is finally uh, was able to put it all together last time out after knocking on the door for a while in races at Saratoga uh, against Tougher, where he was just missing. And a lot of times when horses finally put it all together, they come right back and win, especially in a case like this where it was putting it all together for a new barn for Broberg. Now going to be second time for Broberg. The number one, Vehement. Three. Five one for me in race number seven. Let's move along to race number eight. Five thousand dollar claimers, five and a half furlongs. The distance, uh, the one Rizzy's honors. I just don't love the rail. If I did, I, I would probably play her to win. But she's definitely a must include for me. If she can just work out the kind of trip she needs to win, she really fits with these at this class level. The two Arabuni is very quick. If anyone has the opportunity to maybe steal this race, it's her. Apollina didn't run well last time out, but she was a bit overmatched and in tough. If you look at her races prior to this, uh, to that, a two, three back, four starts back, any of those races would stack up pretty nicely in here. The six will there's a way is also a horse third start off the bench who I'm expecting a, a little bit better from. And I'm playing against the number seven, uh, Sidasta, who I feel like is a little bit better going shorter. And I think with the outside draw, she might get floated a, a bit wide in here. So let's use one, two, six, three. That's how we have them in race number eight at Sam Houston. Moving along, late daily double starts in race number nine at Sammy H. And there'll be 25 non-two claimers, five and a half furlongs the distance. The number one, my girl Lexi looks like the speed of the speed from the inside. I think she can steal it here. The seven, Benson is the heavy chalk coming in for Tom Amos. uh, Debuted at Fairgrounds and won against Maiden 30s. Then went over to Oaklawn Park off a couple month break. And actually ran pretty well to finish third in the slop against $30,000 claimers. And now Benson comes over here to Sam Houston and is very well spotted. The six, blame it on Brew. Just didn't really seem to like the off going last time out. If you play her off the two back effort, she's kind of intriguing and they wheel her back quickly because I just don't think she got a lot out of that last race. So one, seven, six in race number nine at Sam Houston heading to the 10th race at Sammy H $5,000 restricted claimers mile and a 16th on the main track to close it out. I will go to the one, Run Tech, who's just really consistent right now and uh, always shows up, always gives a really nice account of himself. He's pretty versatile. He's been coming from off the pace a little bit but he, more recently, but he has a, a little more tactical speed if he wants to show it. So uh, he's always one that's pretty tough to uh, leave out at and around this level. The seven, know your options and close to midnight. I'll be including both of them. Uh, know your options is just very nice form and really, really consistent right now and was doing a lot of that against better. So is now in at the $5,000 level after being a runner up against $7,500 open claimers and 15 non fours. This is a good spot to try to drop in and win the six close to midnight. 
I think, you know, just bouncing back to the effort two starts back, uh, close to midnight, has an opportunity to run well. It's just he uh, just didn't show up uh, against Know Your Options, who ends up dropping into this spot here. So probably not that easy of a spot for close to midnight, but a horse who's capable, just not quite as consistent uh, as of late. And then the number nine would be uh, the next one approved, who's looking for the third consecutive win right now for Asmussen. So I've got him 1769 in race number 10 at Sam Houston to close out that Friday card. We are going to hear from one of our sponsors, and then we're going to head on over to Saturday and uh, and talk about the Saturday card with Barry Spears. And Barry's going to talk races 6, 8, 10, and 14 with us. And then following that, we'll do a little recap of those races, uh, remind you who we like uh, there, and then we'll talk with John Stetton from, about uh, Gulfstream Park, the Florida Derby, and the Gulfstream Park Oaks. So, uh, Word from a sponsor, and then over to Gulfstream with Barry. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years. Studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap, past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone. Cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next. And then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com it is one of the biggest days of the year at Gulfstream park at a meet that has many many big days this is right up there the florida derby kentucky derby points on the line 
races all throughout the card um, Really good undercard here To join me to talk about a couple of those undercard races And to give some of his thoughts on the Florida Derby He's becoming uh, what I'm going to start referring to As one of our Gulfstream gurus uh, One of the Gulfstream go-tos <laughs> Barry Spears, Serban Handicapper How you doing, buddy? Hey, man, doing well That's, those, are, those are kind words, I appreciate yeah. You know, See, I, I want to be that go-to guy there we go. It seems like the big days at Gulfstream Park in particular, you've been helping me out, helping us out with the uh, Derby and Oaks undercard last year, Breeders' Cup stuff, you name it. And uh, we got a big weekend at Gulfstream Park. So uh, Barry's going to help me out talking about races uh, 6, 8, 10, 11. And then we're going to get to the Florida Derby and get some of his thoughts uh, on the Florida Derby as well. So uh, it's a cool time, Barry, because this is like the last prep now at every. Big track basically we've got Turfway and Gulfstream this weekend And then I think next weekend is one of those Like massive weekends yeah. where there's Stakes at Keeneland, Santa Anita I think Aqueduct and then After you know we get Ar- uh, Oaklawn for Arkansas Derby they'll have one of their big Ones so it's basically like one big Prep left for all these horses Yeah I mean um, You know this is what we live for is horse play yeah. Time of year you know the Spring yep. is coming um, Everything is 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 just coming together the derbies at the appropriate time quote unquote um so everything is uh is is all good you know we we just want to forge ahead get out of this covid era and uh we'll be on our way yeah, it feels like we're on the way And I know even uh, you, especially uh, like myself As a basketball fan, we got some March Madness going We got the end of the NBA season ticking up That'll lead us all right into, you know, derby stuff And then and NBA playoffs after that We've got uh, NFL, like a lot of news and free agency And the draft coming soon So just, there are a couple parts of the year That are, are these kind of There's like in October is another good spot You know, baseball, it starts next week too I know, <laughs> you know? So. Shock. Yeah, that, that baseball's upon us, but you know what? I'm ready for it. I think it's yeah. just a coming out party from from 2020. I agree. It feels feels good. Back to some normalcy, and we've got just a cornucopia of sports that we're getting into. The big weekend at Gulfstream Park. Let's get there. So if you're following along with your past performances, tune uh, turn. I said I keep saying this. You're not tuning your past performances. You're turning your past perform. I, I guess you're tuning. You're tuning them up when you're writing, right? But let's turn to uh to Gulfstream Park's sixth race. We're talking about the Kittens Joy Appleton. It's a Grade Three mile on the turf course here. Who are you looking at to begin in this spot, Barry? You know th- this race is is kind of strange. Um, the favorite or the morning line favorite anyway, Frostmorn hasn't been good in a long time. <clears throat> I mean. You know, uh, he won a race back in November 2020 um, at Churchill pretty easily. It's, it's a, you know, a little below this level. Um, but prior to that, it hasn't really been good for a long time. Got hurt, obviously. Lots of question marks, layoff lines. The, yeah. Crazy. It was the only start in 2020. The horse won pretty big. And Vamoose, you didn't see the horse for, for a while. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, I, I can't really rely on a horse like that in a race like this. Um, and how about the barn struggling too? You know, yeah. you've got a, a barn that's really struggling I for told. a horse for a horse that's going to be a short price. You know, those are some things that are hard not to look at, right? It happens in every sport, any at any level. Everyone gets cold for a little while, and when you're cold, sometimes you know when if it's a cold, like I, I wouldn't mind using a horse from a cold barn at a big price. But at a short price, you know, do you want to take a, a colder barn? It's tough. I mean, you know they're capable of winning, of course. Absolutely. On any, 
But it's like, you know, do you want to make that gamble here or somewhere else where you might get a bigger price? Mm -hmm. I, I vote for the second, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll agree for the bigger price on, on a cold barn. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, even the inside horses, those are kind of trickery because, the, you know, the woodbine races look good on paper, but they don't really translate down in Florida, at least not this year. No. Uh, so, you know, that leads me to, to basically uh, a horse that I like by attrition. Everybody else didn't look that great. He looks pretty good. It's ever dangerous. Yep. I'm on, I'm on the same one with you. I don't I don't think he's um, you know, he doesn't have too many knocks on him. Um, and everybody else hasn't been that great. Uh, you hadn't seen Seismic Wave, the eight horse, in, in a while. Um, I don't like that move particularly. His first time from New York off a long layoff like that. I mean, Chad Brown is, is more than capable. Um, but there was a barn switch there. I don't know. There's a lot going on in this race. I just thought Ever Dangerous looked like the least worst of them all. Completely agree. It's it's a good spot because you know you look at his races too. He just like you said, he's super lightly raced. He's got upside. He's we 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 feel like he's got the most like he's got a higher ceiling than I think a lot of these with what we've seen. And in his last start, he was behind a horse named Flying Scotsman who just went gate to wire. And unfortunately, Ever Dangerous just broke a little bit slow. And was chasing in the two path And that was it Flying Scotchman went gate to wire Flying Scotchman took a shot in the grade one kill row last time out And then look at the other horses who he lost to earlier on in his career Goofo, come back, Domestic Spending, who's a grade one winner Decorated Invader, who's a grade one winner Those are nice horses, that's good company Um, Second start off the bench, you know, off that three month break So he... He, it just honestly, feels like it's a really good spot for him. Honestly, I, I think he's going to go off favored. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be shocked. And he should, but, if he's like five to two or so, that that's probably where he should be. Yeah, and that's yeah. a good price. I, that's still you know, fine. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll take that. Yeah, I just no, nobody else. It's like hard to really get excited about anybody else in, in here. Right. You know, at their projected prices. So I agree with you. He just seems like the the more the most fun horse to to play in that sixth race at Gulfstream Park. Um, Let's move along to race number eight. We've got the grade three ghost zapper. They're going to be going a mile and an eighth in here. And um, this is another one who, uh, where we got a graded stakes race, but a lot of these horses are not really like proven graded stakes type horses. So um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting spot. Last judgment from the inside has been sharp for maker uh, winning a, a grade three most recently and winning what three of the last five, two of the last three. Uh, what do you think about last judgment and, uh, and this particular eighth? I mean, you look at this race on paper and it looks tailor made for last judgment to win. I mean, it looks like they just wrote this race and entered the horses the, the way, you know, just set up for this horse, which, which, you know, bothers me because you know, when it's too good to be true, it usually is. Mm-hmm. And the thing with Last Judgment is I like him going shorter than um I, I think he's more effective going a little bit shorter than maybe a mile and a sixteenth. Um, better at a mile, in my opinion, even though he hasn't really run that that distance a whole lot. I think he'd be a great miler. Um he could be a little and, vulnerable at the mile and an eighth. I agree. Just because yeah. he he's he feels like he's in the best form, and I think like right at a mile, mile and a sixteenth, I think he'd be really, really tough. I, I'm a bit concerned though. Like if a couple others can push him early on, you know, like if, if someone like Warstopper who had to sit behind him last time out, maybe they try to get a little bit more aggressive and just make sure he doesn't get loose. Even Violent City, who has shown more speed, and now they put the blinkers on, maybe they try to get a little bit aggressive. Uh, even Superfecto. So I think there might be 
a, a couple horses who might who in here that can, enough to make it difficult on Last Judgment. That's what I'm counting on. But this this race is just so weird that you know uh, it's like it again, seems who? like something strange is going to happen. Yeah, and if you know the the horse I did initially like and probably still do is I the Jedi. I think yeah. he's better going longer than and he you. Is. And I remember you were very cold on him last time Buzz. because he because you thought that that t- tough race might have taken a little something out of him so this could be a very good bounce back spot for him in here yeah absolutely with the huge rider uh, huge jock upgrade um that that's definitely might make the difference because you know i think uh jj could get him close up into a point where he doesn't have to do a lot of work to run down the horse in the lead which would probably be the one and but while he I, hasn't won at a mile and an eighth, I do don't I don't really feel like that's going to be a problem for him. No, it's by any means. From I think no. he I think he likes it. There's a longer. The I better. agree. Yeah. Um. But the horse that really really interests me, and I'm going to throw him on a lot of t- underneath. I, I'm not positive he's going to actually show up. Is King Sloop at twenty to one? I, I mean, bouncing I don't back know, to the dirt. Yeah, I I don't know if we're going to get twenty to one on him, but you know I can forgive that last race. Totally Completely. forgive it. He's won at a mile and a quarter at a class, you know, in a in a group one race in in Argentina. I mean, he can't be that bad. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree. So he, he's worth the shot here in a in a small field where you know a lot of craziness could happen. Like Violent City could go to the lead and and just throw everything off. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I'm I'm counting on a little bit of chaos. I'm I'm definitely going to use him. Maybe not on top, but um, definitely under. Yep, I had two, four, five as horses. If you're, you know, uh, trying to beat Last Judgment, or, or depending on how you want to, you know, use them along with Last Judgment, you mentioned uh, we talked about Eye of a Jedi, and then you, you know, King uh, King Slew. Yeah, the last time he, we saw him on the dirt was in September in Argentina, winning a Grade One, a Group One, going a mile and a quarter, and then he comes in here in March twentieth. He runs on the grass. He actually has a, a lot of trouble in that race, and he's always shown that he's been better on the dirt. So um, I think you give him every opportunity to step forward in here. The other wild card I thought was Superfecto. I think if you kind of go through his form overall, um, it's really not bad in his debut. Yep. He actually hooked a tough group uh, behind Doctor Post, who, who was a nice one, and and then his other race in the slop. You can probably give a, an excuse for that. Um, you know, he's going to go now third start off the layoff. If he can just improve a little bit off of his his most recent races, there aren't any monsters in here. Um, if you know, and he could get that kind of a setup, maybe where he's sitting like third uh, behind a couple of the speeds in here. Maybe he gets the jump on a couple others. So I'd a uh, two, four, five, and then you know, last judgment as a horse I respect, but I'm a little concerned about the mile and an eighth. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this that's going to be a fun race. Uh, it'd probably yeah. be a fun one to watch too. Let's get to race number ten. We're talking about the Grade Two Pan American. They're going to go a, a mile and a half here on the turf course. And I think last uh, time, you know, you and I liked a little a little bit about Sir, Bah- Sir Sahib. We actually didn't run that poorly at a big price. Uh, wasn't beaten all that much. Um, cross border and Temple from the inside will probably take money. I think Sadler's Joy is one of those horses who I feel like I've never played and I I always play against. But he he runs. He shows up and wins sometimes and runs some big races. But I'm generally uh, against him. The um, wins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, who who are you looking at in the Pan American? Well, I, I looked at this race and, you know, cross border is a horse that I can't trust at all, ever. A um, lot of second place finishes doesn't win when he when you think he should. Um, so there and he's, he's a seven year old, which concerns me as well. 
Uh, Temple, same thing. Likes to finish second a lot. If you look at his past performances, at least in the in the racing, there's there's a myriad of races there. There's only one win uh, of note. Uh, that was back in April of last and he's year. He's been in like softer spots where he should have won should've and got won. really good trips and, and like, didn't run bad, but just doesn't really just didn't win. Right. Yeah. He, it's like he doesn't have that win instinct, you know, that killer instinct, you know. It's yeah. just he's fine with finishing second or third. Um Sadler's Joy is a horse that still boggles my mind how that horse goes off favorite as much <laughs> as I know. Um so that kind of brings me to to the horse we liked the last time, Sir Sahib. Who's another one that just doesn't like to finish races? Yeah. I mean, he's run well a lot and just has no wins on the page here. And that brought me to Moon over Miami. Feels he's like probably, it's him in a great spot, right? Like he, it just feels it's like a it's good spot for him. Off. He, he's just he should be all systems go. I, I I like him actually quite a bit here. Me too. Yeah. He he's gonna go second start off the bench. You just seen the progression with him too. He has no problem going long. He ran really well going long last time out. He was kind of he was taken back to seventh on the inside. He was stuck behind horses. He moved up to fifth. He was about three or four lengths off. He moved through. He kind of stayed to the inside. He he loomed up, but what ended up happening? He had to angle around horses. He he might have been able to get second. He just couldn't get to Phantom Currency, who who got loose on the lead that day. He's gonna go now. Second start off the bench. Second start as an older horse at four. He can sit closer too. There's not a lot of speed in here. Um, yeah, there's like no speed in here at no. all. I kind of think the eight is worth a long shot flyer on some tickets, at least underneath, just because if Julian can kind of get aggressive with him, um, and everybody just kind of stalks up below, he he can maybe hang around for a slice. Yeah, absolutely, because I don't think Cross Border really wants to be on the lead. He's like he's lost yeah. his speed as he's gotten older. Yeah. It's like he's not quite as quick as he used to be. So right. yeah, if, if if like if Moon over Miami can sit a little closer like he did two starts back, um and, and you know, we can excuse that Belmont Derby because that was a race that was back in October and we didn't see him again until February. So that you know, there was something where uh, that went wrong that day. It just feels like he is Another situation where he's the most fun horse to play in here. You know, <laughs> yes, you look up and down this field, and he he like he just makes the most sense. And if he's around seven to two or over, I, I I'm cool with that. Yeah, I'm I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it with uh, seven. As just like you mentioned, I'm going to use Sir Sahib underneath. I'll also use Churn and Burn underneath, who could show some pace there. Maybe throw them in on a uh, one uh, you know small pick five or one small uh, multi race exotic. Let's move to. Uh, race number 14, right? We're going to hit the uh, the Florida Derby next. Let's get to the Florida Derby with the heavy favorite on the morning line. Greatest honor. He is looking for his fourth consecutive victory, Barry. And now with life is good, getting injured and off the trail, this definitely moves him up one notch on the list of top contenders. He's got to be in that like top five range right now, probably along with Central Quality, Concert Tour. Um, you know, he, he's he, he's up there now. Um, what do you think about Greatest Honor in this spot? I, I like him, but you know, I think it, there's going to be that point where his running style is going to get him in a lot of trouble and, and mm-hmm. lose a race where he probably should win. Yes, that's uh, a great point. You know, he had trouble breaking his maiden, which really isn't a, 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 a knock against him um, because it actually gave him some foundation, you know, for going long. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not going to hold that against him. But, you know, the way he just looked in the Fountain of Youth where, you know, he basically did no running for <laughs> for like three quarters of the race. And then all of a sudden he just turned on the burners or everybody else slowed down, which is probably more the case. 
and 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 it looked good and that's the thing that people are betting on and i i don't really buy into it i don't think he should be six to five in a race like this this is probably definitely the the toughest race he's had um that being said uh the horse that that really interests me is spielberg i know my my partner uh Chuck Simon isn't too keen on Spielberg. He thinks he's he's second or third tier. But I've been waiting for these horses to get away from Santa Anita. Um, and he ran a, a, a very much improved race when he got away the first time, even though it was in the slop and it was against the champ. He probably needed that race, to be honest. And, and that's not typical of a Bob Baffert horse because he drills them hard. They, they, they have all the foundation in the world because they, they run in the morning. Um, I don't like his post particularly. I, I wish he was drawn a little bit further inside, but he does have some speed inside of him and, and collaborate. So he doesn't have to kind of work too, too hard to get there. So sitting off that horse's flank and whoever wants to go to the lead, I think he'll be in a good spot. Not too enthused about his price either, but I think he's going to he's going to run well. Um, another horse that you could forgive uh, is known agenda. I know he he threw in a, a mm-hmm. super dud on uh, Sam F. Davis Day. I was there that day. And he didn't do any running until the last 100 yards, literally. And you see, if you look in the past performances, he made up uh, on the ground. 10 lengths in that final, you know, final work there, the final, you know, uh, marker. So I, I think it might have been the surface. I, I don't think he yeah, really he- like it's a total toss for for and and it feels like I think you're 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 spot on with the two like if you're trying to beat greatest honor that that like next tier of horses is probably uh Spielberg collaborate note agenda you got Spielberg as like the most proven and he's sort of grindy like the distance really shouldn't be a problem for him some of the horses that he's run against have run well uh, known agenda um I, we talked a little uh, with John Stetton too um and he he He's high on no agenda. It sort of feels just like he's a little better than his numbers and figures would Definitely. suggest, you know. Yeah. Um, and he beat Greatest Honor last year, right. um, you know, back in November. Um, he, he's like sort of that next one. Then you got Collaborate, who's always been like a really big buzz horse over the last couple months down at Gulfstream. And, and then he put it all together with a monster win. Um, they're like kind of that next year. Because <laughs> I think Nova Rags is better. Than, yeah, uh, yeah. Personally. But, you know, and I and I did make note that um, I, I bet Nova Rags pretty big on Sam F. Davis Day and he just couldn't get by Candyman Rocket. Didn't flatter him when Candyman Rocket just threw in a, a huge dud. But Hidden Stash came back and ran pretty well. Yes. Beat. So, yeah. you know, there, there's some there's some upside there. Plus, uh, Junior Alvarado is taking the call. I'm sure he had his choice. Maybe. Um, so, you know, he, he's familiar with this horse. He ran, he ran in front of him. Yeah. On Candyman Rocket, so you know I, I wouldn't uh, count out Nova Rags for doing something decent here either. The long shot that I like a little bit, and I'm going to be throwing onto some of my tickets is Soup and Sandwich. Um, I have no idea how good this <laughs> horse is. Um, he beat Florida Bred sprinting in his debut, and then he beat a field of three in career start number two. But he <laughs> visually, when you watch his races, he's got some ability. And I like the fact that Johnny V jumps aboard for Mark Cassie. That's a positive for me. And if I'm trying to beat Greatest Honor, which I, I probably will be in some of the exotics, and I, when I, you know, it's all said and done come the weekend when I put everything together, um, I, I do think Greatest Honor has a major chance to win this, right? And if they go quick early on, then then he's going to get a great trip. And um, one thing that's another to note, you know, uh, also in a lot of these races, like he doesn't need to win this race. No, you know. Not he just all. needs to like run a good second or third 
And maybe when other horses might have to be a little bit more cranked up for this race because they need to win or they need to get as many points possible to get in, he might be a horse who um is okay with with their connections might be okay with the fine second or third here. Yeah. You know, and that that's something to to consider, especially you know if you don't need the points to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, I just you know it was just weird. I I know Irad is king of the world right now as far as jockeys go, but I just found it peculiar that you know that Johnny V didn't get the ride back, even though he didn't ride that horse the last time. I, yeah. I thought he was out of town that day, but you know we we don't really know everything behind the scenes all mm-hmm. the time. But you know I, I just think uh, you know our buddy Papa too. Just got the worst of the draw. Oh yeah, he did, and he, dude, he, we got a little, we got a brief thrill from him last time, man. Oh, he, yeah. he, he started moving, and greatest honor, like looked like he was done, and I was going, oh, here he comes, you know, and he was going, he was rolling, but um, it's not a, you said, it's not a great draw for him, and um, I, I even if the race sets up okay for him the way he ran last time out, I just, I don't think he's in the best spot, so. I think we mentioned like the logicals. You mentioned Nova Rags. I'm glad you mentioned that one too. Um, obviously, with the seven, eight, nine, greatest honor soup and sandwich. I like a little bit out of a price. Collaborates just a, a horse who we'll see if he takes another step forward. He might be uh, one of those really, really good type horses. And then known agenda to me is like the strong second choice. I think he really feels like. The horse who could get the jump on greatest honor He's beaten him, he's a little bit better Than his, his numbers and figures So uh, um, the Florida Derby Some horses that we're going to see Running in the Kentucky Derby In uh, what just a, a little over a month we're, we're already getting close there Barry as you mentioned It's the, the last round through the preps I know you guys do uh, a lot of uh, covering horse racing topics, uh, races on uh, one of the podcasts that you're on. Uh, give us the information about the that pod and where can we follow you on social media? Sure. It's uh, the Going in Circles podcast. I'm on every Monday, the big Monday show uh, with my buddy, uh, Charles Simon, former trainer. And um, you can find me on Twitter all the time at, at UrbanHandicapper.com. Oh, not .com. <laughs> at Urban Handicap <laughs> And it's URBN <laughs> I know right I'm so used to saying that But um, yeah you can find me there all day Every day tweet at me We can have great conversations about horses Love it all day Urban Handicapper Barry Spears Buddy thank you so much Let's uh, let's put it in the books to to get you back um, On the uh, the Oaks Derby weekend And we'll uh, one of those days And we'll get you some of your thoughts On uh, a couple of the undercard races in the Derby Absolutely It'd be a pleasure awesome. thank you. Barry Spears, uh, one of the good friends of the show And an excellent handicapper Make sure to give him a follow there on social media Check out the podcast Uh, We're going to head on over and finish up The rest of the Gulfstream Park card Don't go anywhere, stay tuned Great stuff from Barry And uh, always love chatting, catching up with him And uh, talking about the races So let's uh, quickly go over some uh, of the thoughts that I had in the 6th at Gulfstream Park on Saturday uh, I did love the 4 just like Barry Ever dangerous there So if we can get around like 5-2 to two or so I think that's a pretty fair price In the 8th race at Gulfstream Park I'm looking at the deuce Eye of a Jedi Javi jumping on Should get the, the trip in here I had him stack 2, 4, and 5 In race number 8 Let's move along to race number 10 We talked about the Pan American and it does really feel like this is a great spot for Moon over Miami if he's anything around 7 to 2 or so. I think that's a very fair price on him. I will use 7, 6 Sir Sahib and the 8 Churn and Burn in the exotics there. That's how I have them stacked up. 7, 
6, and 8. Now, I am going to go to race number 11. Also, that's the start of your pick 4, because I will bring on John Stetton to talk about races 12 and 14. So, let's go to race number 11, the Cutler Bay. Um, I thought the 7, it can be done. Uh, very interesting, right? Javier is jumping back aboard. Let's look at his last two races. On October the 31st, he was about three wide. He was sitting fourth. He was about two three lengths off chasing really slow fractions. And Javier was aboard that day. It was just a bad ride. That was in October. Came back in February and went five furlongs. It was a good race to set him up for this stretching out with his kind of speed you got to imagine they want to be really close to the leader on it I hope Javi gets more aggressive in here it can be done is a must use for me in all exotics I will use the one hyper focus I will use the six um, annex is the one to beat the four Lucky Law, I think you can toss the Sam F. Davis and just focus on the the turf races there And, and then the eight step dancer who has run well on all grass races, and um, I would not be shocked to see him show up with a good effort here. Seven one six four eight in race number eleven with a look to the seven. It can be done if he's anything around you know eight to one or so. Uh, I think he'll get bet down a bit, but if he's if he's close to that you know ten to one range, I'm gonna be playing some win money there. We're gonna head to our conversation now with John Stetton from Past the Wire, the Pick Six King. We're gonna talk about races twelve and fourteen from Gulfstream Park. Following that conversation, I'll uh, recap my thoughts on races twelve, thirteen. I'll also uh, give you some thoughts on the thirteenth and the the fourteenth race there at Gulfstream Park. So enjoy the convo with John, and following that, following that, we'll recap some of our thoughts on those twelfth, uh, thirteenth, and fourteenth. So it's Gulfstream Park with the uh, the big weekend coming up. So we had to have uh, plenty of analysis for you this weekend for Florida Derby Day, for the Florida Derby races. Uh, this is very important now with horses trying to pick up Kentucky Derby points along the way. And we also have the Gulfstream Park Oaks with some of those Phillies trying to pick up some Kentucky Oaks points along the way to join me to talk about those two races. A uh, good friend, someone that I've worked with in uh, in many different capacities. Someone who many of you know online as the Pick Six King. You know him from Past the Wire, a very very good handicapper and uh, an excellent writer. And over at Past the Wire, they have everything going on. If you're a horse racing fan and you're not uh, following Past the Wire, if you're not checking out the website over there and all the different podcasts, all the different interviews, all the stuff they have on YouTube, all the columns, the articles. You name it, they've got it For horse racing, new horse racing Old history stuff Gambling uh, selections, tracking trips For uh, for John I think I got most of it, John what, Did we get most of it? I, I, I think you got it all um, <laughs> I, I, I want to hire you to do a commercial for us <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean no. We could, we could probably do another uh, minute or so Just describing everything uh, How are you doing and how's everything going with Pass the Wire? Uh, I, I'm doing well Pass the Wire is really doing you know, I, I got to tell you, Gina, we go back, you know, several years. So I, I think you probably remember when it started and it yeah. was just me writing a little column here and there. I mean, we, we had th- 3.1 million visitors to the website last year, which really puts us right there with any of the major, major, you, you know, racing sites. So I think that's quite an accomplishment. We do have a lot of original contact content we've got a lot of news and uh you you know i'm always my biggest critic and i don't like to kind of blow my own horn so to speak but it's developed into a great site and you know pitbull nikki nikki d'agostino 
he he was a big part of that. He really, you know, helped get it to the next level. And uh, no, the site site is doing phenomenal. Really uh, is it? Really couldn't be doing better. If you and like John has said, I mean everything. If you're looking for a little help with some handicapping, they're going to give that to you there. If you need some uh, help with, um, you know, just news, what's going on in the world of racing, they're going to have that there for you. They will have all sorts of interviews with different. Trainers, jockeys, owners, people involved in the horse racing business. Uh, I mean, a, a little bit of everything that you could possibly ask for as a horse racing fan to stay up to date and uh, to help you make a little bit of money. Tracking trips is always something good because that's where you get to really share. I think for you, you do a great job writing. Uh, you're a great handicapper too. So you get to kind of share a little bit of your expertise both there, kind of explaining uh, some of the horses that you follow it, you're following and horses that you've been watching and that have. Just had brutal trips that you're going to be betting back. I, I, absolutely, and you know one thing I will say about past the wire and, and and some of the things we do, which I find interesting, and we never really get any credit credit for them. People don't notice, but there are a lot of things that people are talking about in the industry today that are are what you would call hot topics today that we were writing about and I was talking about and doing columns about three or four or five years ago. Years ago you know, and like. Yeah. Uh, you know, when it comes up now, I'm like, listen, you know, I, I was talking about that, you know, three, four years ago. You know, you don't want to come out and, and, and say that necessarily when you see it happen on social media. But it, it, it really is the truth. We were, we, we were ahead of the curve on, on, on a lot of the things. And when it comes to handicapping, I appreciate the compliments, but I like talking handicapping with you, Gino, because when you go back with our history in handicapping, there have been quite a few times when you and I had similar opinions yep. in, in, in races and I, I, I mean, I never kept track, but I think our percentage in very good, was pretty yes. damn good. Very good during the uh, all uh, the elite racing days or times when when we would uh, link up and talk about big races. It seemed like many times we were finding um, similar horses because you know we're looking for things. We're not necessarily people that are trying to play the chalk all the time and like hammer chalk uh, type stuff. We're looking to find some value. We're looking for um, as a handicapper, as a gambler that's trying to make money. You're trying to look. Um, Find where you can spot an advantage, right? Not necessarily having to play every single race every single day. Um, so uh, a lot of, I think, the same philosophies and just general things to follow uh, that that uh, you and I sort of have in, uh, when it comes to handicapping and gambling. And um, let's hope we can uh, do our best this weekend at Gulfstream Park. There's a couple races that we're going to look at. We'll see if we can make the folks a little bit of money out there. But um, just overall, as we head for this last round of preps, we got the news that uh, life is good. Who would have been the at this point uh, likely the favorite in the Kentucky Derby with one round of preps to go? Uh, he will be off the trail, and so that that probably opens things up a, a little bit. If you were someone who was going to play against Life is Good, you probably wish that he still would have been in there because he was going to take a lot of money. But um, we'll we'll get to see everybody sort of one more time through now. Yeah, you, you know, I I was actually on the Life is Good bandwagon very very early on before he was even Yeah. I, I was I, on a fantasy I, league, so I was all bummed out that he got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I had heard about him before he ran um and knew that he was very very highly regarded by by the barn and uh I I I believe that they thought all along that you know, he was their best 3-year-old and their best shot yeah. going into the derby and you know, it was disappointing to see him get hurt. I probably, you know, it's hard to say who you would have wound up on, but I was definitely on his bandwagon. So him actually defecting from a, from a betting standpoint, even though I liked him, it might wind up helping me a little bit because, like you say, he would have probably been, the, you know, the favorite, or certainly, you know, within the first 
you know, two or three choices. And now who knows, I may wind up on somebody a lot bigger price that has yeah. a shot. So it may work to my, you know, personal benefit, but I would have loved to have seen him run because I really think he's got a lot of talent. And I really think that the, uh, the bearing out he did in the San Felipe, uh, a lot more was made out of that than probably should have been in my opinion. And I will hopefully uh, get to see him back at some point because I think they said this wasn't a, a life-threatening injury or anything like that. So we'll see. Uh, it, it was. I mean, last year, you know, it was Charlatan and Nadal early on in the year who were the the high Baffert horses, the hyped ones, and they wow. uh, we saw Charlatan back at the end of the year, but we never saw Nadal come back, and it ended up being authentic <laughs> later in the year, who ended up you know maturing and, and growing into a, a really nice horse too. So uh, it must Bob, be nice. It must be nice to have that kind of schedule where, where like your your fifth and. Sixth Sixth stringer can can win the derby, you know. Can, de- can sort of develop, you know, throughout right. the year without all the pressure on that one because the, you know everyone's sort of worrying about uh, the top two or three. So uh, yeah, we'll see this year with uh, horses like Concert Tour, Medina Spirit. He's going to show up with his first ever Florida Derby starter too. Right. Crazy yeah. to think about that we're going to talk about uh, in just a minute too. So um, Baffert will still have uh, plenty to fire in these uh, these last round of prep races coming up. And it'll be Saturday where it's a Turfway Park as a prep race there with the Jeff Ruby Stakes that's got Kentucky Derby points on the line, and then over at Florida, uh, over in Florida with the Florida Derby as race fourteen at Gulfstream. We're going to talk uh, first about the Phillies in race number twelve, which is the Gulfstream Park Oaks. They're going to go a mile and sixteenth in here, so uh, one of the last rounds of preps for these three-year-old Phillies trying to get into the Kentucky Oaks and. You know, just uh, looking at this race on paper, there's no real standout um, with, you know, Cone Lima, who's been running on the grass recently, but been very, very honest. Um, Milfu had a pretty brutal trip last time out. You've got uh, Crazy Beautiful, who was in, who was pretty good at two and then was in the Breeders' Cup and uh, came back and was fine in the Devona Dale, but doesn't really feel like there are any, uh, uh, any monsters in here. What were some of your early thoughts on this Gulfstream Park Oaks? Well, you know, I, I I I have a pretty strong opinion on this on, on this race, uh, which I, I will be honest with you is a little bit rare lately because I've become very very selective in 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 my wagers and in in you know the races that I decide to go after. And you know, a lot of times I go into these races saying, "Well, you know, I'm probably going to be a little bit leery," but no, I've actually got a, a nice. strong opinion here. Um, and I like Bill Mott's horse, and I hate that I can't pronounce Milfu? the name. I think it's Milfu. Mil- Milfu or Milfu or whatever. Milfu. Um, n- we'll, we'll play it the safe way. Number six. <laughs> 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 this way, I don't I don't get in trouble for mispronouncing mispronouncing the name. Um, but 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 I like her even off the twenty one length drumming in the Devona Dale last time out, which is all, also kind of a rarity. It's not very often that. You know, you find yourself in a in, in a in a grade two stake liking a horse that was beat twenty one lengths yeah. the time before. It just doesn't happen a lot for what for you know obvious reasons. But uh, I lean there, and I lean there a little heavily. Yeah, I, I'm. We're gonna be on agreement again here with Milfu. I I just think that. Her last race was a race that I probably I mean I would have liked to see her run better right But I was probably going to take it as sort of a prep Because you know moving forward And expect her to be better down the line And then she did just sort of get stuck in between She backed up and she just couldn't come on again In a race where there wasn't a whole lot Of passing going on uh, throughout I think she just makes Like you look at this field from who's got upside Who 
who's a game who's best is the absolute best in here I think it's her no doubt about it I think she just has so much upside and and after her I don't love anyone else in here I have a ton of respect for Cone Lima And what she's done on the turf And I think she you know, she even showed that she can run on the dirt fine If she won, I wouldn't be shocked But I don't, nobody else in here Gets me really excited And if if the Mott is around 3-1 to one or so I that That's a great price I, I agree and I think I think she's probably going to take money So I, I would say 3-1 to one might be the high end Although you never know She was a little cold on the board last time yeah. and, and, and I will tell you this you know, there's not a lot of trainers that I would, you, you know, confidently bet on after a 20-plus a, a length loss. Um, but Bill Mott's one of the guys that I don't really worry about it because no. he, you know, he lets the horses kind of dictate where they belong and where they should be going. And the fact that he's running her back with a very good work on on, on, on the 19th at Payson, by the way, but the fact that he's running her back here instead of taking some time or, you know, Keeneland's right around the corner, and the non-winner of one races at Keeneland do have a tendency to fill, okay? So I know he could have probably put her in a non-winner of one at Keeneland or something like that, and he doesn't. He puts her right back in a grade two in this race, off that that race. So I just draw a line through it say, saying, you know, who knows what, what went amiss, but something obviously did. Uh, I like Tyler Gaffleone. On, on her, I think he's uh, you know a, a worthy replacement for Johnny, and uh, I, I'm 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 all in there. I think she's going to run a really really big race. Yeah, I do too. And it's it's another. We start looking at the rest of the field, and it's like I like her. Nobody's I expect- exciting. I agree yeah. with you. No, nobody's. And I, I agree on Conley. McConley, uh, um, you know, a, a, a friend of mine, a guy I know a long time, was involved Joe Graffio in the purchase of her um, and selling, you know, part of her to, to Eclipse Thoroughbred. So that's going to be one of those situations that I'm I'm, I'm somewhat obligated to root for her because I like to see Joe do well, and she does, you know, have a realistic shot in here. But you know. She got put up last time in a race where I didn't really agree with the disqualification. Um, and I certainly don't think that it cost her, you know, the win. And um, yeah, she doesn't have to win. No way. No way. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I just, uh, Milfu just seems, seems like the nice, the nice one with upside that just feels really good in this spot. It, and, and I agree with you completely. She would not be in this spot unless she was going to come up and run good. Is that going to be good enough to win this race? We'll see. But I, I expect her to run really, really well in here. I agree. I agree. That's in the Gulf uh, Street Park Oaks. We'll see if. Hopefully it's Milfu can get some uh, get some points along the way there and try to uh, stamp her spot in the starting gate for the Kentucky Oaks. Let's move to the Florida Derby, the Grade One Florida Derby. They'll be going a mile and an eighth in here, and we have the horse that's getting all of the orb comparisons. Greatest Honor, who has now won three in a row for Shug McGahee, and he has that off the pace running style, which is actually sometimes sort of difficult at Gulfstream Park. In his last start, he looked. In the Fountain of Youth at one point Like he was struggling I actually played uh, Papa 2 Who ran right by him And I got a little nervous with Papa 2 Making a move at 18-1 to 1, And then he flattened out And Greatest Honor really kind of picked it up late And blew by What do you think of uh, of Greatest Honor um, in here, uh, John? Uh, he, I mean, on paper, he's the one to beat is, is he definitely the horse to beat here? 
Well, 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 he is an interesting. I'll share some insight about him w with you, and and, and then I'll uh, th that I got from Jose Ortiz. I spoke to Jose Ortiz after that race and asked him about it. Um, and I, you know, basically, my question was, you know, he looked beat. Did he feel beat? You know, uh, he just looked like he was, you know, not going to run wheels. And he was like, no. You, you know, what he said was that he just really didn't like the dirt hitting him and, uh, you know, that he really wasn't getting a hold of the racetrack and it was just things were not unfolding his way. Uh, but when he got into the stretch and got, 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 got clear, he just really, really, you know, kicked in. And, you know, he did say that, you know, he won despite not really liking the racetrack, not really liking the way things going and, and, and gave him a big vote of, uh, you know, confidence as far as him being a really, really nice horse uh, because he was able to run that way and overcome that. And, you know, once he got into clear, he was really, really strong and, uh, you know, obviously impressive. We all saw it. But I, you know, I thought I thought like you did. I thought he was in a, in, in a lot of trouble. And I think uh, I'm against him on Saturday. I respect him. I think he's going to be a contender in the Kentucky Derby. But, you know, you look at, at Shug's history you know, he knows he's in the race and I don't think that he's, you know, really worried about winning on Saturday. I think he's worried about getting a good race into his horse yep. and he can go forward off of. Yep. yep. I think that's exactly what he's looking to do. He's in a great spot. Now. Absolutely. He's got Absolutely. all the points he needs and he doesn't have to worry about being all out to win this race. He can run a fine second or third kind of yeah. just continue to progress and then hope he gets the kind of setup that he needs in the Derby because he feels like a type of horse. If a lot of those contenders that we're looking at now who are going to be forwardly placed or have some tactical speed, if they're in the mix, he's the type of horse who right now feels like he'd benefit from a great off the pace trip in a big field like the Derby. So I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't think he's by any means a horse to single or a horse that that you absolutely need if you're playing, you know, uh, on zo exotics on top in here. Who are some of the horses that you're looking at? Well, I'll, I'll say this: I'm going to bet against collaborate, but I'm going to do so very, very. Uh, what's the right word? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be worried about it only because you know, maybe or yeah. my own opinion. But the hype on this horse from the beginning of the meet. Okay, I can tell you though, you know, the, the the word around Gulfstream from January was that this was one serious racehorse, and I'm talking about from people that really have a good opinion and don't just you know hype every every, every fast working or good looking colt that, that that comes along. He was really really hyped as a Florida Derby and even a, a Kentucky Derby type horse early on. He didn't didn't do well in his debut, you know, with some trouble, got off slow in the slop. So we tossed that, and then he won like you know a monster second time out. But he's got to he's got to go two turns, and there's just a lot of potential in here. So there's there's two horses that I'm looking at uh, that I'm you know if I'm playing a pick five or a pick six, which I think there's a mandatory payout that yeah. day, or a pick four, the two that I really want to be alive with are going to be Known Agenda, who's my top choice. Uh, even though he looks a little bit slow and looks like he could be a cut below, I'm a little high on that horse and think he's a little under the radar. And the other horse that, believe it or not, I, I find very intriguing, and it's an old angle for me that I like, is the, the, the Mott horse on the rail, Nova Rags, who's probably going to get overlooked. But I love a horse coming off two races at Tampa. I liked his race in the, in the Pasco going seven-eighths. Uh, his race in the Sam Davis was not so good. And the Sam Davis didn't grade out so well with Candyman rocket coming out, you know, and not doing much after that, but I'm okay with that because 
I, I, I think he's legged up at Tampa, and uh, I, I, I just like that. And I think Junior's riding very, very well. I think he's going to get a nice trip sitting off the speed on the inside. I know he'll handle the two turns, and uh, I, I think he'll be a lot longer than the morning line of 12 to 1. I think he's more like 15, 20 to 1 or, or, or even better than that in here. And he's a horse that I don't want to leave out. But my top choice is probably known agenda. I respect Great Asana, obviously. I respect uh, Soup and Sandwich, who's two for two and also has a win at Tampa. I fear this collaborate a lot, but I'm willing to take against him, a shot against him. I think he's going to take a lot of money right into the favorite, probably be the second choice um, or real close to it, along with Bob's horse, Spielberg. And I'm against Spielberg as well. I uh, I just, you know, I'm just I'm just not, not sold on him. I think you mentioned, yeah, all of the horses. The one that I, uh, I'm Sort of intrigued by and I'm going to throw into some of my Exotics is Soup and Sandwich who you just Kind of mentioned in passing and um, I thought both of his races were very impressive Yes he beat a field of three last time out And then in his debut he beat Florida Breads Does he have to step up do we know who he Beat sure but it'll be a Nice price I, I love the fact that Johnny V was able to, to jump aboard for him Here and like you said I, just on like numbers and figures His win actually sort of stacks up With, with some of the better wins his, his maiden win I know he can go a little longer I, I just like, visually like the f- way he kind of sat behind horses So I'm going to throw him in a couple of mine um, You mentioned Nova Rags Who I think is, is very intriguing towards the inside Note Agenda feels like one So if you're playing against Greatest Honor I think you hit the contenders But I'm, I'm also against Spielberg too I've just never been very high on him I know some of the horses he's, he's faced Have come back and run pretty well But I, he's just... He's very grindy to me And I don't, you know, I think His last effort was probably aided By the slop, and if you take that race Out, then you're really looking at A horse who, you know, uh, you talk about Note Agenda maybe a little slow on some figures And stuff, Spielberg hadn't really run very Many fast races uh, as of late either So I don't, yeah, I don't really need him In my exotics either Yes, Known Agenda I think is really going to make Make a big forward move here And if you look at it, you know, as a two-year-old He handled Greatest Honor, he beat You know, Greatest Mm -hmm. Honor going a mile and an eighth Back in November when a lot of these two-year-olds Don't really go a mile and an eighth, he's bred to run All day, the mare by Rama Was was mostly turf But she was was a classy sort And, uh, you you know You can draw a line through the race at the Sam In in the Sam Davis in Tampa He was on the rail that day uh, just didn't like it. You can tell he was uncomfortable. And he still ran out late. <laughs> well, yeah. He, when he got to the outside late in the stretch, he was flying, and he galloped out way out in front of the field. And then Todd did the right thing. He just put him in a nice confidence builder. And, you know, now he comes back here. And one thing about about, about Todd over the years that, you, you, you know, you'll notice is when it comes to these big derby preps, his horses are always cranked. I mean, he a lot of times his horses run better in the in the in the last Derby prep than they do in the Derby. I oh mean, yeah, he, he really gets some you know honed shock for that for that last prep. So I think I think we're they need at a forward this is this yeah. is a situation where they need this. You know, absolutely. I they, think he's looking at a forward move here, and I think. You know, Irad's riding lights out over there. We know that he's winning, winning everything. I think he's been going for the record uh, of, of most wins for the meet, if if I'm correctly informed. So uh, dangerous, in my opinion, very dangerous. Yeah. That's another thing that I think you hit up a, a good point. Just something to look at when you're looking at these last round of preps. Now, remember, you can like a horse. You can think they have a good shot to win the Derby, and they may not be the best play in their final prep. 
Just for the reasons that we said with greatest honor He could win this race and he might just be better Than, than this group and, and some of these But he doesn't need it And if it's down to you know Like late having to go all out To get a win or not you know, I, I don't know if they would necessarily Like you said be worried about going all out You maybe want to save something that you have uh, For you know uh, the Kentucky Derby So keep that in mind You, you know, this, These are individual betting races As much as they are We're trying to watch these horses progression Absolutely. And, you know, that's a good thing for the people that are, are listening to pay attention to. A lot of times, you know, like, even you know, the two races we talked about at Gulfstream and, the, you know, the race at Turfway, a lot of times it's a good idea. And I do this in tracking trips. Watch these races. Enjoy them. Play them if you've got an opinion. But take notes going forward because you're going to mm-hmm. see a lot of these horses in the Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont, and you know, going forward, these are you know the better three-year-olds that are starting to emerge, and you can you can really gain a lot of valuable information from your eyes, you know, and and, and just watching and taking notes. So that was uh, another one of my favorite things you would always do. Uh, we would talk about it, uh, elite racing, where how you would stack the horses and kind of rank them into tiers as the derby would go on for a while. That was one of my favorite uh, columns and, and posts that you would have, and you'd update them after each prep as horses would move up and they would move down, and you'd have them in tiers. And that was a always a really fun read too. So um, always something that you've had on your mind uh, as you know you got to kind of give. You make sure you take your notes along the way too. It just makes it so much easier come come the, the day of, right? You, you've got so much already there um, and saved, and that's. That's basically what you're doing with your tracking trips all the way through. Absolutely. And, you know, Gina, this game is always about having an edge. You know what I mean? Or, or, mm-hmm. or well, everybody's got past performances. Everybody's got sheets. Everybody's got workout reports. Everybody's got all this information. You know, where are you going to find an edge in today's game? Your own eyes. Something you see. Something you caught. Something you made a note of that was important to you. you trust yourself. Exactly. Right? When you know, when you know what you you can do, and you know what you're capable of, you, you trust yourself as a handicapper. That's what we always have to do. We have to believe in ourselves, and then those are the days where you go all in when you really got that strong opinion, and uh, and that's how we make money in this game. Something that John has been doing for years, and we told you all about past the wire early on. John, give us the the places we could follow you, social media, and uh, and past the wire. Pass the wire, uh, pass the wire.com is the best place. It's got links there to our YouTube channel, um, uh, Pinterest, Facebook, we're all over the place. I'm at Jonathan Stetton on Twitter at pass the wire on Twitter has its own, it's it, it, its own following. So, uh, I interact with a lot of people. I answer all the messages and emails that I get. And I, at times get an awful lot of them, but, uh, love interacting with people, love taking questions, love, you know, helping anybody get better at this game that I can, that, that I can help. So, uh, you know, Dude, come on, come on. One of the more recent things I've seen uh, on there talking about some uh, morning workouts and uh, and yeah. things like that too, which is uh, some information that's that's great if you want to check that out on Past the Wire YouTube. John, thank you so much, buddy. Uh, we'll have to do this again uh, maybe uh, in a few weeks come Derby Day. We'll get your opinion uh, heading into the Derby. Oh, I would appreciate it. Thank you, Gino, for having me. Always, always a pleasure uh, chatting with you and especially uh, handicapping with you. So make make sure to give them a a follow, head to pastthewire.com and uh, give them a follow on social media. You'll get great info there from John and the whole team at Pass the Wire. Uh, Nick does a great job over there, too. Want to give him a a, a great shout out. So uh, John Stetton, my man, uh, we'll be talking to him again pretty soon. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll wrap up Gulfstream Park Saturday. Thank you, John. Always a 
Cool catching up with John, super sharp handicapper. Make sure to give him a follow and check out Past the Wire there. So uh, let's go over uh, races 12, 13, and 14 uh, real quick. Rapid recap style. Uh, 6-1 for me in the 12th. Uh, Milfu is the one uh, I think has the, the most upside, and I'm expecting a big performance from her. Cohen Lima from the inside. She might just be better than a lot of these, even though she's been running on the grass. She could be the one to catch from the inside. So 6-1 in the 12th. In race number 13, the grade 3 Orchid, they're going to go a mile and 3 eighths on the turf course. The number 9, Always Shopping, has really become uh, very nice at and around this like turf di- distance. She's won three of her last four, and her last couple have been visually really impressive. She's got a, a nice tactical running style, so she's pretty tough to beat. But uh, the horse that I, I like in here is the one warlike goddess who is now going to go second start off a, a short break. And she hopped at the start in her most recent race. She was dead last. She was about 10 lengths off. She angled out widest of all. She made up some late ground. She's going to go second start off the bench, and she should be able to save all the ground from the inside. Uh, she was chasing uh, a, you know, a race that did not have much pace on paper. And, and so if they do go quick early on, or if there is a, a little bit of pace that sets it up, a warlike goddess could benefit and a lot sharper with that race under her belt. One nine for me in race number 13 at Gulfstream Park. And then the 14th race here, I did think the, uh, to me, there were five horses that I, I looked at that I, I legitimately thought have a chance to win this race. Um, eight, seven, nine, one and five. And uh, Soup and Sandwich was, you know, my, my wild card horse. Uh, greatest Honor is the horse they'll all have to hold off, but he may not be a horse who needs to win this race. Still might be good enough. Collaborate uh, could be any kind still. Uh, lightly raced. Very impressive winner last time out. And then the one, Nova Rags, who will need to improve a little bit, but uh, from the inside should have the tactical speed to, to be involved throughout. And uh, Known Agenda. As a wild card, he's going to have to improve a little bit off of uh, some of his numbers and figures, but he definitely has ability. Those are the horses who I would in, would use in some way, shape, or form, however you're playing. I have them stacked uh, 8, 7, 9, 5, 1. Race number 4 on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. We're going to get to Turfway Park. They've got an all-stakes pick 4 on Saturday. Darren Zocali is going to join me to discuss that. Races 8, 9, 10, and 11. First... I have to discuss OldSmokeClothing.com, unbelievable website. And with the promo code G-I-N-O, you can get free shipping on your order. So at OldSmokeClothing.com, we're talking t-shirts with horse names, polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups, hats, with the names of big races, slogans. Uh, You can do custom designs, so you can uh, put... You know, funny sayings that your friends have when you go to the races, or maybe a horse that that made some of you money. Your friend, a fan of to the law, Bob Baffert. They've got a, a silhouette. You name it, they've got it there at OldSmokeClothing.com. Quality clothing and merchandise that horse racing fans and those who love the atmosphere and lifestyle of racing will be able to enjoy. High quality products rooted in iconic symbols of racing and the racetrack experience. Heck. They're actually named after Old Smoke John Morrissey, the founding father of Saratoga, who was such an incredible character, a gang member, a brawler, a cargo thief, a brothel bouncer, he a political enforcer. Make sure to look him up. He was the founding father of Saratoga. He actually served in the U.S. Congress and in the Senate. 
These are just horse racing fans that kind of looked around and realized there aren't a lot of places where you can go and have a ton of different options for quality, quality horse racing products and clothing. So Old Smoke Clothing is the place for you. OldSmokeClothing.com, promo code G-I-N-O, will get you free shipping on your order. Uh, On to Turfway with Darren Zocali. Get those past performances out for races 8, 9, 10, and 11. Turfway Park. Kentucky Derby points on the line on their big Saturday. Big Saturday coming up at Turfway Park. Kentucky Derby points on the line in their feature, which is going to go as race number 11, the Jeff Ruby Stakes, mile and an eighth grade three event. But they have stakes races on the card all throughout. Really, really competitive stakes races. And a man who's been covering Turfway all Meet Long, who's been doing a really good job at it, doing a lot of work for Twin Spires there. And, uh, DZ, I gotta say, the meet at Turfway has been so much improved this particular year from just a, a quality, um, a betting product standpoint. Um, with uh, with Churchill kind of coming in and uh, giving them a little infusion, it just seems like that product has really picked up. It really caught me off guard, you know. Really did, <laughs> um, you know. And, and I'm saying that also as a as a horse owner because. Uh, we decided to, you know, we have about five or six horses on our stable and we decided to set up shop there in the winter because we have, uh, you know, about three or four of them are, are turf horses and a couple of them had wins on synthetics. So we decided to, to set up shop there and it instantly we saw, wow, these races are going to be much, much tougher than we ever imagined. Uh, and they are and they have been. And it's, you know, we, we've had a couple of wins and and we've done well and we have a nice filly that's hopefully, you know, been nom- but that has been nominated to a stake. But it's been um, it, it's been tough sledding there. I mean, Gennaro Garcia, who wins races all over the country, is like two for forty seven on the meet. Um, you know, Wesley Ward has dropped in a ton of good horses. Jonathan Thomas has dropped in a ton of good horses. William Morey's having a sensational meet. Uh, it is it is not your typical Turfway Park meet, and I think this Saturday card uh, really is a microcosm of the meet because maybe you don't look at Turfway and give some of these races credence for some of the divisions that they're in but i'll tell you what there are some talented horses in these stakes races they're good they're good they're deep and uh, there are stakes races uh, in the, the sixth and seventh we're going to start in race eight and talk about that all stakes pick four that goes races eight nine ten and eleven and ends with the jeff ruby which is the kentucky derby points race there so uh, let's get into the animal kingdom we all know animal kingdom had a uh, some great success here at turfway park the race named for the Kentucky Derby winner. Uh, they'll go six and a half furlongs in here. DZ, uh, who do you look with to start? Yeah, one of the angles that you're going to hear me talk about with Turfway, and it's a key to handicapping in general, is it is such a unique surface that just because you've got these horses that are coming in out of turf races or, or big turf races elsewhere does not mean that they are going to take to this tapita surface. And and you have two of them right off the bat here with Arzak and Outdoor who are, you know, two of the morning line choices in here. And, and you really need to wonder if they are going to be able to handle this synthetic surface. And it is a completely legitimate question. And, and I think that gives you an opportunity here to potentially fade a couple of favorites right off the bat. And, and I think you can do that with a couple of horses. And I'll talk about a couple of local horses here, starting with the inside horse in number one, Pico Doro. Pico Doro is a nice horse. I think going a mile and a 16th last time was not his game in the Bataglia. I think he wants to go short 
Take a look three starts back to December 18th race. He had a good win that was a strong group and that allowance event where he won. It's very He's very consistent runner. Buyer speed figures are, are right in the same level, the low to mid-70s, up and down. He's got experience on the group, and trainer Bill Morey has been doing nothing but winning races left and right at this meet. This horse is going to be overlooked because of some of the speed figures on these other horses, and I think that he is a legitimate win contender uh, coming off of a nice workout pattern. The only issue for me is that inside post, he's got to yeah. work out a trip, but he's got one of the best riders on the grounds to do it. Yeah, you're right. If, if he was drawn like a little more toward the outside, we would like it. But he's he's got some versatility to him. You know, he's got he's got enough like positional speed. I think to where they can like use him a little bit to at least get a good spot uh, if they need to from the inside. I think he's a must use in the exotics, and I completely agree with your sentiment on not really loving um, Arzac and Aldador as much in here. I had three horses like kind of marked that I wanted to use. Um, I do think Gage Town is a bit interesting on the cutback. He will be trying uh, this synthetic over here for the first time. But I I did like his really all of his races, and I thought his last effort kind of had a slowish start. He got crossed over on, he settled, and then he made a nice sort of little spurt move four wide. But he he got flat a little bit late. I think the cutback is going to be uh, very beneficial for him. And the other horse I I threw in I thought was uh, the three Randello with the you know he, a little bit of a step forward. He's not too far out of this uh, at you know a decent price. So. Um, kind of the sort of the same sentiment as you. I didn't really love the the Trombetta, the the Wesley Ward that come over here and will probably take a lot of money. Yeah, the R- Randello is interesting. Uh, we don't know what he beat there because nothing mm-hmm. else has really come back to run out of that race. Um, the, his initial maiden race, the, the horse that won that race, the Predicament, is actually in this field, and you could see what he's done. Um, but I think Randello for Thomas Jury is a is a live long shot to be included in some of the gimmicks. Um, yeah, the only other horse that that for me that that I mentioned is Chasing Artie, who is a real wild horse. That this yeah. horse was in for fifteen thousand back in mid January, and uh, my co-owners and I were actually linking about potentially claiming this horse uh, in that race, but we had already claimed a couple off Wesley Ward and didn't want to go down that route again. And I think what you saw with Chasing Artie is something you're going to see in the next couple of months, and wherever you go, I think it's going to be a good handicapping angle. Turfway Park horses are going to win when they ship out and go elsewhere. Uh, and Chasing Artie was uh, second in a $15,000 maiden claiming race. He shipped down to Gulfstream, and he won a maiden special weight in yeah. style. And not yeah. only that, the horse that he beat came back to win a maiden special weight at Gulfstream with an 87 buyer speed figure. So Chasing Artie's got a shot in here. He's got speed. He's got a race over the track. Even though it wasn't a win, it was a good second. Uh, he's another horse that I would be looking at. But I mean, the one is going to be the key uh, to my sequence here. I'm going to lean on him pretty heavily to start the pick four and I'll have some other tickets where I'm going to be using the seven a bit. I'll be using the three a bit. Uh, and the other horse that you mentioned, I believe was Gagetown. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gagetown. I'm going to give a look to just because I respect the fact I like the cutback with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not necessarily sold that this horse based on his style wants to go two turns. And here's an interesting note. Exaggerator is actually two for nine uh, to start with synthetic sprint. So he can throw a synthetic runner. Uh, and I'll be using him a bit, but for me, Pico Doro is going to be a key. We are looking at Turfway Park for Saturday, March the 27th, and we're going to flip to race number nine now, which is the Twin Spires Kentucky Cup Classic. Yeah, Mile buddy. 
There you go. <laughs> got got to give the sponsors some love there. Got to give them some love. Uh, mile and an eighth for some fun older horses, man. Just some horses that we've kind of uh, we get we've gotten to know in a little bit. Uh, Finnick the Fierce is in here. Uh, Pluque Parfait has been in some uh, some stakes. Uh, Skywire has been an interesting one. Set Piece has run really well in his couple starts here. Um, Crafty Daddy's another one who just uh, took a shot against Graded Stakes Company in a couple of his last starts. So uh, the wide open Kentucky Club Classic here. It, it, it it's a tough race. Um, look, I, I I said in December that when I saw Set Piece win, um, I you that, that optional fifty thousand dollars race, and then he came back to win the Prairie Bayou. I said back then that this horse was going to win the Kentucky Cup Classic. Now, I mean, I hate the morning line. I do think it's a little aggressive. I don't think this horse is going to be eight to five in this field. Um, I think the field is better than that. But that being said, I I can't pick against the horse that I've been saying for the last three and a You've half. Been waiting for the spot. Yeah, yeah, I've really been waiting for the spot. So, yeah. uh, you know, somebody asked me on Twitter, you know, why did they go to the fairgrounds with this horse? You know, he's obviously better on synthetic. Um, sure, but if if you looked at the Turfway Park condition book, there was just no races for him. Nothing that fit him. There was nothing after December thirty first. He was out of the allowance conditions that Turfway Park has. They don't run any kind of like straight allowance with no condition or a four other than. There was nothing for him, uh, and there were no stakes races no, around. Like older stakes, yeah. There was nothing. Everything was short. So, Brad and he's Cox not exactly says, terrible on the grass either. No, no. Like just on his figures alone, it's not like he's bad. He just it obviously is a little bit better on this surface. You know, he's never exactly. been beat on a synthetic surface. You know, exactly. So. And and Brad Cox said, "All right, well, we got a great two, a great three down there. Uh, this is a horse that I think uh, you know we, we've seen he can run on turf. We've seen it before, so let's give him another look." And he ran a great race there. I mean, he was he was far back, but he rallied boldly in the stretch. He just missed maybe by a nose for third. Uh, I, I think this race is just going to hit him right between the eyes. He's got he's got a great workout pattern. He went 47 and change in a workout two starts back. Uh, this is a horse that I think is just sitting on a loaded gun. And, and if he does not run a big race here, uh, I'm going to be very surprised. Now, there are other horses in here that I think uh, can be interesting. You mentioned Finnick the Fierce. Um, secretly I'm hoping Finnick the Fierce runs well because Finnick the Fierce beat a horse named Burning Point in his last start. And we actually ran third to Burning Point, uh, excuse me, Burning Bright. We actually ran third to Burning Bright, one of our horses in allowance before that. So I'm hoping that Finnick the Fierce, uh, you know, can run back. This is a, this is an aggressive spot for him, but if you go back and you watch that allowance win, I think Burning Bright is going to be a very nice horse for Jonathan Thomas. And this horse absolutely loved that synthetic surface. So, uh, he is a, a horse that definitely is on the radar for me. You have a, a lot of local horses to the outside that I think are a cut below this. Um, but one that I think is interesting is number nine, Visitant. Yep. Visitant had nearly the lead in mid-stretch of the Prairie Bayou. Uh, he had a big win uh, to start his meet at debu- uh, uh, debuting there on December the 12th over Super Soul, who's in this spot too. Then he cut back to six and a half and show his versatility. He ran everybody down there as well. He was uh, like give, loaded behind horses too, just kind of like waiting, waiting, angled out, yeah. and just got up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to need to improve a little bit from a buyer standpoint, but this is a very talented horse for again trainer Bill Morey, who's had a lot of talented horses on the meet. Uh, props to the Sean Parker, the George Wolf winner, who's had a good meet. He's really picked it up of late. He rides for us quite a bit. He's a really good rider. He listens to to the trainer, uh, and he puts his horses in good spots to win. So I think Visitant at ten to one is a horse that could definitely spice up the, the exotics. But for me. It's all about set piece. Completely agree on uh, on Visitant and using set piece. Uh, you know, Visitant's a horse who he's he's five and he's only run ten times, so he's he's had some issues. You know, obviously, but mm-hmm. he you know he 
he's got a lot of like decent races. He really only has like one, two poor races, and you can make legitimate excuses for them. They were like off of long, long layoffs. I love when horses like him, who have had race layoff, race layoff, they finally start to get running. And it's going to be nice for him to have that race under his belt now. This will be like his fourth race in the last four months or so. So. I think he's going to be set for a good effort and, and maybe outrun his odds a little bit. Um, I'll throw him on a couple tickets. Set Pete's is a must use. Um, Finnick the Fierce, you mentioned. Man, I mean, other than that, I thought uh, maybe Crafty Daddy as one yeah, more, the, but that's the, pretty logical. The, the other horse that that for me is a, is a complete wild card is is Skywire. Yeah. Um, Skywire came in to the Prairie Bayou looking to get himself, you know, on the road to this race, uh, and he did not fire a shot at all. Now, again, this is why Turfway has been weird. You know, this horse ran a 94 buyer speed figure a couple of times, winning grade two stakes at Woodbine, which is also a tapita surface. So he came down here and you would think, oh, this will be right up his alley. Translate perfect. And then no. And it just did not. Now, maybe it was the ship down from Canada. Maybe he needed a race. Mark Cassie was a little bit cold to start the meet. He's been better of late. So maybe if you are a Skywire fan, you're going to get a much better price here than you can probably ever imagine. And if he jumps back to his best race... He can win. So if the value is there on Skywire, if he's anywhere close to that 10 to 1, I could certainly give him consideration and, and put him in the mix. Let's turn to race number 10, the Turfway Park Bourbonette Oaks. They're going to go a mile in here. So we've got the three-year-old Phillies. Where do you start, DZ? Well, I start looking at this and say, man, I really wish our Philly threat level midnight could go long because she is actually right there from a speed Stacks up standpoint. from like a numbers <laughs> standpoint? Yeah, yeah. If yeah. she wasn't, if she wasn't just a rocket ship sprinter, this would have been very, very interesting uh, to put her in the spot. But she can't go a mile, so uh, I, I'm very familiar with a lot of these fillies for that reason because we had that filly and we've been uh, following a, a few of these quite closely. Um, I think, I think Into Vanishing is a really nice filly. I think, I think Into Vanishing is a filly that that's really going to turn out to be something pretty decent here for um, for trainer Jonathan Thomas. He's had a he's had a stellar meet. Uh, there was a point where everything that he put on the on the racetrack was just winning. It was just it almost got to the point where it was absurd uh, how how often his horses were winning. And um, you know I think from from a standpoint of talent, this horse is right there with anybody in this field. And I think that uh, this is a horse that has the t- tactical speed to be right there. I know there's speed in the race, but I think this horse. Um, has a high cruising speed from what I've seen, loves the racetrack, uh, has one going long where some of the others that are stepping up into the spot have not, like the wait for Nairobi's who are coming off the win of the Cincinnati Trophy. Um, I think Into Vanishing is, is going to be a special filly, and I, I know she loves this surface. Uh, into Vanishing, I have uh, along with a couple others in here. Um, I'm a, I'm a little interested in Olivia of the Desert. I just think she's very honest. Um, she probably needed that race. She should step forward a little bit off of that. And if she does step forward, even just back to some of her better races, that should stack up fine. If she's in that five to one plus mix, uh, I think she's pretty interesting at the mile on a slight little turn back in distance. The from a, a pace standpoint. Um, what did you think of California Lily's race here for Mark Cassie? She was pretty quick and was able to to win by a few that day. Does she have an opportunity in here to sneak away, or is there too much other speed? There's a lot of speed, but but she is quick. Um, now that race, she beat a horse named Foolery, um, who actually broke her maiden by eight and a quarter lengths for Eddie Canelli uh, in the beginning of January, and I thought that she was going to be you know a, a filly that was going to show up in the spot. 
Uh, and she's been okay, but hasn't really worked out. The horse that was third, Song of Innocence, again, has been okay. So I don't necessarily know if she's coming out of that strong of a race. But that being said, the speed figure is right there with the rest of the field. She always gets bet. Uh, so you might get a better price on her than she has. She's never been more than five to two, and that's not going to be the case here. Uh, she's a horse that I, I could certainly see including and, and definitely merits a look. Um, you know, the question for me is what do you do with the two that are coming out of the, the previous stake at Turfway? What do you do with speeding? And what do you do more interestingly with wait for Nairobi who looked like a real good thing? I yeah. Mean, you know, 20 carat who uh, she ran against uh, on January the 15th, not only came back to win, but came back to win uh, by seven and three quarter lengths with an with an 83 buyer speed fake. So that maiden special weight race was big. Um, the Cincinnati trophy was visually impressive. Does she want to go this long? Now she ran against the filly of Ken McPeaks named ship it when she went long uh, back on December the second, where she was on the lead. And I don't think she wants to necessarily be on the lead. She might've just been better than most of those horses horses and ended up there. So if she can handle the two turns, she's by carpe diem who average winners are somewhere in between six furlongs and a mile. They're, they're, they're kind of, you know, interchangeable. She's out of a, tab a Tabasco cap mare, so there is some some stamina on the damn side. Um, if she gets overlooked here, you know, you got to give her a shot. And I think the race might play into her hands from a pace scenario as well. And the six-to-one morning line is awfully inviting. The two horses that'll probably take a lot of money that we uh, haven't spoke a ton about yet um, are horses that kind of are on that profile that you mentioned um, right when we started the conversation, uh, adventuring and Candace. So, you know, you have horses who have come in who, you know, adventuring just was facing maidens, but that was over at fairgrounds. And, you know, people kind of probably project that she's coming out of better. Candace O faced graded stakes company on the grass last, last time out, was beaten a couple lengths. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two? Yeah, Candace O, uh, you know, is a horse that I, I respect quite a bit. You know, drawn to the outside is going to be tricky. That Now, that's one thing. Well, it, it is one thing to mention at Turfway. The outside posts going around two turns do not do well at all. Uh, I mean, posts 11 and 12 are literally like one for 40, you know, going a mile or a mile and a 16th. So, you know, the outside draws for Forever Boss and for Candace O concern me. Adventuring, uh, yeah, I mean, what it all comes down to at adventuring is is the surface. Um, you know, I will say Pioneer of the Nile is above average. Uh, he's an 18% synthetic stallion when it comes to what he produces. Uh, I mean, she's out of questing. You remember, you remember questing. Questing yeah. was looked like she was going to be like the greatest thing that we've seen since sliced bread. Uh, she got beaten the cotillion and then she was pulled up in the Breeders' Cup Ladies Classic, uh, now known as the Distaff, and we never saw her again. So she's obviously bred to be a good one. If she takes to the surface, I do think she'll be a handful because even both her losses, she lost the next out winners. So uh, she's a nice filly for Godolphin, and I, I prefer her a bit to Candace O. Let's get to the big one, the grade three, Jeff Ruby Stakes, Kentucky Derby points on the line for three-year-old. They're going to be going a mile and an eighth in here. And you have a lot of uh, new faces, a lot of horses who are shipping in, trying to pick up some of those Kentucky Derby points. You've got King's Ovation, who comes in for Dale Romans. You've got uh, Safey Joseph with a couple uh, awesome Jerry and Moonlight and Moonlight Strike, who comes in. You've got Sainthood coming in from Fairgrounds for Pletcher, Smiley Sabatka for Romans, uh, Ships in from Tampa last time out Tarantino ran really well in the Holy Bull Two back was behind greatest honor in his Last few he is the lukewarm Morning line favorite in here uh, And then you've got you know some of the local horses Who have been running in the recent preps You you know the horses who came out of The Battaglia hush of a storm like The King Gretzky the great uh, Hard rye guy so a uh, Big field 
doesn't feel like there's a field where there's going to be an overwhelming favorite in here. The money should be spread around a pretty good amount. Um, what do you think? It, it's an interesting race. Uh, I you know, we'll start with the with the local prep for this, which was the uh, which was the Battaglia Memorial. Um, I think Gretzky the Great will be better than he was that time around. Uh, he cut the cut the lead out there, got a little bit tired in the stretch, and this this track sometimes does that to speed. Uh, if you are a part of a contentious pace, as Gretzky the Great was, he was being looked in the eye every step of the way, uh, that gets very tiring, this particular surface. Uh, so I think Gretzky the Great at 5-1 to one has a very big chance to rebound. Now, Corrales gets off Gretzky the Great to ride Sainthood. I don't necessarily think this is a condemnation of Gretzky the Great. I think this is simply Corrales saying, I have an opportunity to ride for Todd Pletcher. I'm yeah. going to do it. Get a big win here. Yeah. Maybe I could pick up a couple mounts down the line. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think he just says, you know what, let me ride for Pletcher. And maybe if I do some good here, it'll catch his eye. And, and when he comes to Kentucky with horses, uh, maybe he'll use me. Um, so I think I think both of them, I, I think that's my viewpoint from there. I think Gretzky the Great of 5-1 to one is a great play. Um, like the King... Um, is probably my least preferred of the three coming out of the Bataglia. I thought he had every chance to win that race and simply got run down by a better horse. Um, that being said, you know, I will be using him, but I do prefer um, the winner of the race, uh, Hush of a Storm, better. Uh, Hush of a Storm is just a rapidly developing horse for Bill Maury. Once again, that name keeps coming up, and it's no surprise because his name, this name kept coming up all meet. Um this horse exploded on this synthetic surface. I mean, if you watch how he gets over it, he gobbles up ground. At times, it looks like he's going two strides for other horses. One, he's still green. He kind of ducked in a little bit in the stretch of the Bataglia, just slightly. There was a bit of an inquiry there. I don't think it really changed the outcome in terms of what Hush of a Storm did. Um, if he gets the trip and gets a pace scenario to, that's to his liking, and there is certainly speed, especially to the outside. Gretzky the Great Dynamite and Hockey Dad all seem like they want to go a bit. Yep. And if that's the case, I think this race could absolutely fall into Hush of a Storm's uh, lap. Moonlight Strike with the blinks should yeah. be right up in the mix too. Tarantino's yeah. not slow. He's more of a tracker, but he should be kind of pressing it. Wouldn't be shocked to see them get a little aggressive with Smiley Sabatka too. You know, um, yeah. There, yeah, there there could be many um, with some pace, even like the King drawn towards the inside. He may have to get a little more aggressive because sitting didn't really work as well for him last time out. And both of his wins have been when he's been on the lead. Um, it, it really should set up nicely for the, some of the off the pace horses, like a uh, hush of a storm who you were all over last time out and, uh, and got a nice victory at, at uh, almost seven to one. Um, I thought the horse who, and I don't know if he's going to be good enough, especially with some of the new faces coming in hard ride guy is a, a horse who I actually liked that day. And you needed in your exact that he, he ran into some trouble uh, in that race too. And probably was a little bit farther back than he wanted to be. He's not quick, but he didn't need to be, Dead last 10 lengths off of it um, He is picking up Hernandez which is it's not bad Landeros has been riding great all, all meet long But Hernandez is a plenty capable pilot there um, Of of the new Horses that, that are coming in So some of these new faces that haven't prepped here Anyone sure. that you like that you love or who are you Kind of the most intrigued by um, Out of the new faces I would say that the horse you see that if, he, if he drew better I would have been in, I would have been Intrigued by Dynamite mm-hmm. Um you know, just because he's got some good runs on turf, it seems to be his preferred surface. Um, I respect Keith DeSormo bringing this horse in. Um, the Sire Golden Sense actually does very well uh, on synthetic surfaces. I, I would be intrigued by him, but that outside draw, man, that's just a killer for him. Um, 
the horse that I'm probably going to fade that a lot of people are going to bet is Tarantino. Um, again, you know, I listen, I know he's running against greatest honor who could very well be the Kentucky Derby winner. Um, but it comes down to, you know, this horse going over this new surface and, you know, if he's going to be two to one, yeah. can he win? Sure. But it's just an unknown. And I've seen, yeah. I, you know, if, and I, and I know people are going to look at this, and be like, come on, Darren, the horse ran second to greatest honor two starts back. And he was good last time. I, I listen, I get it. And if the race was on dirt, I would absolutely agree with everybody. But I've just seen it too many times. With the short me- price. Yeah, where horses, have come, from, horses yeah. have come from New York, have come from Florida. They've, they've had the short price. They've come for big connections. And the horse has just been terrible. And, and I've seen it a lot. And to be honest with you, if I was going to take a shot with a horse that was, you know, uh, maybe uh, coming out of like a race like that, coming out of a race that was like the Fountain of Youth, I would I would try King's Ovation at 20 to 1 before I took the 3 to 1 on Tarantino. I would try the three. I would even try the four. Who, like, if you're playing Awesome Jerry, whose last couple of races are not great, I'm not going to break. But if you're playing Awesome Jerry, a horse like this, who actually has some races that are good enough to compete with the best in here, like playing him off of his mucho macho man and the form off of those couple of races, he's a contender in here. He was behind highly motivated prior to that. Musa Tebek was a nice pleasure um, prospect before he got hurt earlier on in the year. So if you're going to take a shot with someone who hasn't done something, I want it to be a price. I don't want to take two to one on 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 Tarantino, like you said. I, if you're if I'm taking a swing on one of the new faces, at least I'm going to take a swing on on one of them at a price. Yeah, and and that's the key, you know. I mean, uh, you know, if if Saint Hood offered a great price, I mean, he's got buyer speed figures that put him right with this group. You know, if if Moonlight Strike offers a price after finishing third in the Tampa Bay Derby, you know, the horse had a bullet workout in preparation for this. Safi Joseph Safi Joseph wins races everywhere. They're putting the blinkers on. Um, you know, he's by Liam's map, who's an above average synthetic producer. So, you know, there are other options in here, but I I mean, I really genuinely think that either Gretzky, the great or hush of a storm are winning this race. Darren Zocali has been handicapping this turfway park, all uh, meet, all Stumbling, can't even get through my words, huh? Smoke another one, Gino. Darren Socali has been uh, just doing fantastic work for Twin Spires. You can find him online uh, at the Track Seven on Twitter. DZ, so what? Uh, what do you have coming up uh, over the next few days with uh, with the big weekend at Turfway, and um, as far as your podcast, also that you that you've just started up recently? Yeah, the podcast. I'm, I'm leaving for vacation, so I'm working on putting together the next one. It'll be, it'll be back uh, probably in about uh, ten days. We'll have it posted. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll obviously at that point have a real good idea of what the Derby lo- is. So I'll do something similar to what we did and, and kind of go through, I won't go through every horse, uh, but I'll go through some of the horses that I think are flying under the radar heading mm-hmm. into the Derby. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a bit. Uh, and it, it sounds like, uh, what we can, we can drop some, uh, an exclusive here, uh, some breaking news in the career of Darren Zocali. It sounds like I am going to be doing the Naira circuit. For the twinspires.com nice. videos uh, nice. once I get back from Vete. So awesome. uh, yeah, so I'll be I'll be taking part in Aqueduct, Belmont, and Saratoga and doing those videos uh, that you see on twinspires.com. So um, which I, which uh, I'm really thrilled that they asked me to do because obviously the Naira circuit is is something that I follow very closely. It's a prestigious meet. Belmont, of course, and Saratoga is just gonna be a blast. So uh you know I'm Congrats. certainly looking for I appreciate well, that. I think I'm you've been they they've seen the good work that you've been doing with uh 
with Turfway, and I, I think it's uh, it's about time. This is like, it's like you've been doing some good work for them behind the scenes, but this is this is what you do best, man. When you get a, a chance to handicap the races, like we uh, a lot of people saw you over at the Meadowlands doing it on TBG for years, and uh, they've heard you here uh, with me for the last couple of years. I'll I'll take yeah. advantage of you anytime I can for uh, for <laughs> anything I need. So um, you know what it was? They they were like, you know, we got we've got Darren working. You know, he's running the VIP stuff on the sports and and working VIP on the racing side and. Well, you know, we, we need a little help. Does somebody want to ask him if he wants to do this? And <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Do you think he still wants to do this? And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, so they had me on the call and they were like kind of coy and they were like, you know, we, we got a couple of holes with this new thing we're doing with these expert pick videos. And, You're like, you know, we don't want to put you under any pressure or anything like that, you know, but if you wanted to do it, you know, we have a couple of spots open. I was like, all right, twist my arm. I'll do it. <laughs> and, the, and the monster is back, right? It, it, yeah. Uh, the crack in here. With, Just uh, when I think I'm out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> well, buddy, we always appreciate the, the hard work that you put in, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again here. Good luck this weekend at Turfway, and have a great time on, on your uh, on your vacay with the family. Glad that you're getting the opportunity to uh, to get back. I know you, you like taking a, a couple trips throughout the year with the family, and uh, you're uh, glad that you're able to get a chance to do so again. Yeah, man, I'm excited. You know, we, we had so much stuff, cool stuff planned last year. We were supposed to go to uh, – we had a great trip in Florida playing. We were supposed to go to WrestleMania. I had VIP package put together for the kids. I had a meet and greet with the New Day and Roman Reigns set up. I mean, we had so much cool stuff. And then we were going to Disney. We have the vacation club there. We were going to go there for 10 days. And that got destroyed. We were going to go to Hawaii for my 10-year anniversary. That got destroyed, you know. So uh, now that we're able to travel again and stuff, we're going to take the kids down to Disney. And, you know, it's not necessarily full-fledged Disney World because there are certainly some restrictions in place. But... I'm just happy to get them out of here and, you know, hopefully put a smile on their face and let them enjoy themselves. Darren's O'Cali, buddy. Have a great time. Uh, we'll talk to you again uh, in a couple weeks here on That's What G Said. Uh, stay safe with the family down there, and good luck this weekend. Thanks, buddy. You too. Enjoy the great racing. I'll talk to you soon. That's Darren Zocali. Uh, we'll uh, do a recap of Turfway. Don't go anywhere, folks. Plenty more on That's What G Said. DZ coming in strong as always. So, uh, Turfway Park's eighth race for me. Uh, I had an eight three one. I thought Gagetown was the most intriguing of the new faces in here turning back. The three Randello, if you're looking for a price, the one Pico de Oro, who's going to be a uh, you know, I, I would say dropping out of that stakes race last time out, probably against a tougher group that are going to be uh, running in the feature. So, uh, eight three one for me in race number eight at Turfway. In race number nine at Turfway, uh, I thought the nine Visitant was interesting. Uh, I mentioned uh, a lot of the reasons there uh, when we were talking with DZ. I have nine two three in that order probably nine two in most exotics as we move to race number 10 at turfway here um this one i'll I'll use a couple the three olivia of the desert who uh should be able to improve a little bit uh with that race under her belt last time out california lily pretty quick she's the one to catch the Number seven into Vanishing, who's looking for a third consecutive and, and really seems to like this synthetic. Uh, and then what do you do with the eight uh, Adventuring and the ten Candace? So I have three, six, seven question marks with the eight and the ten there as possibilities to include. Uh, in Turfway's 11th race, uh, some horses who uh, I'm looking at here, the nine, 
Uh, as I mentioned with DZ Hard Ride Guy, uh, who just did not have the best of trips last time out. The four, Awesome Jerry, an interesting new face who I think uh, is a little bit better than he's been in his last few. The two, Hush of a Storm. And uh, the three, King's Ovation. That's how I have him stacked. What do you want to do with Tarantino? I kind of agreed with Darren. I don't think I need him in this spot. So 9-4-2-3 is the order uh, that I have here in race 11. I need 9-4-2 in all, in all uh, exotics there in the Jeff Ruby Stakes. Kentucky Derby points on the line there at Turfway on Saturday. Speaking of Saturday, we're going to head on over to Sam Houston for uh, some full card thoughts on their Saturday card. Sam Houston, Saturday, March the 27th. Get those past performances out. Let's turn to race number one. 25 non two claimers, five and a half furlongs the distance. I think Papa's boy, who comes uh, in from fairgrounds, tried the grass last time out. Uh, first off, the claim for Broberg. That's a better race to a better level and just never had a shot after that brutal start. I think you can put a line right through that effort for him and give him a chance to, a chance to bounce back in here. The number... Six is probably the one to beat who's drawn well, who cuts back. I actually prefer him uh, in this spot. And then the two, Jonathan Who, who is, I think, going to improve a little bit in here and, and maybe get a better ride with uh, with Laviolette aboard. So 6-5-2 in race number one to kick off the first of two pick fives on Saturday. The number three, Blue Bomber in race two is who I have on top. I think he should sit off just really nicely. He loves to win races here. He ran really well at Sam Houston, just missed a neck in a similar spot and will be tough right back. The number three, Blue Bomber. Flash Forecast is another one that's entering the Carl Broberg barn. That could be really tough. And then Shades of Victory. So um, nothing really crazier outside the box in here with three, four, and five for me. In the third race, I do think the five... Uh, tough Charlie has a major, major shot in here. And if he's anything over like five to one, I'm going to make a win wager on him. He was in the same race with Triple Creek uh, last out and he was inside. He was in a really tight spot. He got shuffled back. He couldn't get through. He had to wait. He had to angle around. It was really unlucky. That was his first start in a few months. And overall, he's been really consistent on the turf. The number five, Tough Charlie will use in all exotics. I'll make a win wager. I have the two, Cali Kingpin, cutting back, dropping in class, and the number one, Triple Creek. And you get that two-for-one action with the one and the 1A uh, for Seeger Ross, both of them coming into the Broberg barn for the first time. He's got a lot of these first off the claim horses early on in the card. 5-2-1 for me in race three as we move along to race number four. I'm going to have the eight. Uh, I'm just a bachelor on top in here. The two violent behavior is ha- absolutely the one to beat and is going to take uh, a, a ton of money. I'm just a bachelor. I think coming off of that last effort uh, really just proves this is where he fits. Uh, violent behavior was beaten in nose against better, but I, I think with him, you know, what we've seen is it may not really matter where he is. He might just be one of those horses who doesn't mind settling for second and thirds at one for 24 with eight seconds for third. The four, uh, CB Scondo had some trouble down on the inside, and he was a winner two starts back. I thought he may have been able to start figuring it out, uh, and perhaps he is, but he just ran into some trouble last out. Eight, four, two in race number four at Sam Houston. The fifth race, Maiden Special Weights going a mile and a 16th on the turf course here. The number two, Gurkha Gold, could uh, improve on the stretch out for Broberg, who is absolutely loaded early on on the card on Saturday. The number nine, 
bankable damn one on the grass multiple stakes placed on it and this is only going to be her second career start bankable she'll try the turf for the first time she did not run poorly in her career debut for Asmussen you've got still charging Maria who's a 1.9 million dollar purchase doesn't have a whole ton of turf in the pedigree though she'll try the grass here for Asmussen but I'm not going to use her Uh, Jediah coming in off of the runner-up effort against Maiden 50s still probably stacks up pretty well in here I have uh, her picked third, two nine four in race number five at Sam Houston. As we move to the sixth, which starts your late pick five, optional forties, non-winners of two on the year. The one entry is going to be really tough in here because they you get a really strong two for one. I actually prefer West Bank Baby, um, and if they both run, you know you're obviously uh, even better with a horse like Figure It Out, who's dropping out of a couple stakes races. But West Bank Baby, to me, returning to the dirt, uh, this could be very, very interesting. Kim K would be the other one, you know, if you were looking, but it feels like a chalky sort of race. So if uh, if I am playing that pick five, I will just probably single the uh, the one. In the seventh race, Maiden Special Weights, five furlongs on the turf course here. The number four, Kolkata, is going to be a long shot that I'm including. Now the five, Vinkai, is... You know, obviously the one to beat was beaten just a nose last time out as your favorite at this level. Uh, Maiden Special Weight going five furlongs. And prior to that, ran at fairgrounds and didn't really run all that poorly either. So, yeah, she's the one to beat. But the four Kolkata, the dam was a stakes winner and multiple stakes placed on the turf. The lone sibling was two for six and stakes placed on the turf. I think there's a, a little bit of sneaky turf with Kolkata. And as that unusual heat breeding is one I know very well out here from Southern California... The, the four Kolkata will be in my exotics along with the five, the three quick with it. The dam's uh, lone start was only beaten a nose on the turf. And I like the fact that quick with it has shown some speed already. Four, five, three in race number seven at Sam Houston. That starts your late pick four. In race number eight, I'm going to play against the chalk, the seven, Dauntless Prince here. I'm using the one Doc's class act. The rail concerns me a little bit. If he was drawn towards the outside, I, I might think about singling him, but I am worried that he could get in a little bit of trouble down there trying to work out a trip, but he's coming out of an open 62 non three claimer and he's back in with Texas breads here, which I think will, will be, you know, like a, like a class drop. Really uh, look at how he crushed the Texas breads two starts back the four. Silver and Aces will go third start off the bench. and could be set for his best effort in quite some time. The five, while tonight, coming off of a nice win and now goes uh, first off the claim. Actually, on the claim back for a barn who does really well with new acquisitions too. So uh, five makes some sense. And then the eight, Moro Appeal, another one who third off the bench has some races absolutely that are good enough to win this last year in 2020 and he just has to take a little step forward and and show that he has some of that ability still left in there one four five eight trying to beat the chalk dauntless prince in race number eight in race number nine on a couple tickets i might single the two 10 hurdles who just tried tougher last time out you could tell was 31 to 1 got in some trouble got shuffled back and if we just put a line right through that race and look at the races on January the 15th right here at Sam Houston against 15 non-twos or the race at Remington Park against 75 non-twos. Either one of those races would win this. And I don't have any reason to believe that she doesn't have that in her still. She just ran into a tougher group last time out and got some got in some trouble. 
Six and a half furlongs also feels like it's a perfect spot for a, a horse who was a runner-up at five and a half, and then at seven, maybe a bit too far. This should really uh, hit her well. She should trip out nicely. The six, a little bit techie, talked about how she's cross-entered on Friday and Saturday. If she shows up here, she's going to go first start off the claim for Broberg, second start off of a, a long layoff. She hadn't raced from July to March, and uh, she's got some pace. The five, Dixie Wayne, an obvious contender at that short price, and I, I really like horses that have that kind of a tactical running style, cutting back to six and a half. The three, Granny Jewel, uh, some pace in here where there's not really a ton of it. And then uh, the nine, West Coast Temple to the outside, who actually is one that I think has a, a little bit of kind of sneaky speed in her last few. She's not a speed demon, but she might just kind of fall into an okay trip here. Two as the the standout for me, single. And then on some deeper tickets, two, six, five, three, nine is how uh, I have them. In the 10th and final race of the weekend at Sam Houston, 25,000 non-four lifetime mile and a 16th on the turf course. I thought the five Bubba Bling first time gelding whose turf form uh, is pretty good. Just a couple races. And uh, the only time going long was a race that sent him to the bench for a bit. He ran well sprinting a couple starts back. And I think he'll be in the mix early at least. The three comedian is the hands down one to beat. So it's five, three for me as my top tier along with the six heart attack. Who's going to go third off the bench and actually ran pretty well, sort of chasing last time out with the, the two Destiny Awaits as another price to include. 5-3-6-2 at Sam Houston to close out that Saturday card. We are going to close out this episode of That's What G Said with the This Week in Wrestling segment. Chad Cooper, Scoops Coop, joins me to talk some NXT. We run through the current... Uh, probable matches for their two nights of TakeOver. We go to WWE and look at some of the matches that they've got set up for WrestleMania. And then we head over to AEW, talk some Dynamite. And uh, a show we didn't love this week, but we had a lot of critiques uh, about all. You know, we think there could be a little bit better build-up for WrestleMania. So uh, we're going to discuss everything in the world of wrestling this week with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's this week in wrestling with Coop, Scoops, Coop, a loop. And uh, Chad, before we get into the wrestling stuff, I got to say uh, congrats to you. And uh, it's been nice for me, too. Both of our teams are still alive in the Sweet 16. And heck, they're both favored with a chance to go to the Elite Eight. Yeah, you know, it's been uh, it's been an exciting tournament. Um, UH, uh, University of Houston, definitely had some interesting moments there, but that's kind of been their MO, especially with the second game with uh, Rutgers. But uh, business uh, will definitely pick up here. I, I, don't, uh, I, I don't know if Houston covers the spread or not. Syracuse is just, man, that Syracuse. Zone. That yeah, defense that is tough when you haven't played them, you know, before. It takes a little while just to get adjusted and, and, diff- and used to it, you know? Right. If they can hit some shots, they'll have a chance. And I think uh, their bracket is kind of set up for them to make a, a legit run at the final four. But uh, man, USC is, uh, man, they've been putting the, 
stomping the brakes off of people. That their defense has been excellent, and that's the one thing that's nice about them. Their defense is so good, and that's going to be a consistent. Their offense is come and go. If they hit shots like they hit <laughs> against Kansas, they're they're almost unbeatable. There's probably only a couple teams in the country that are as good when they hit shots like that, combined with their defense and their size. So hey, I've been really excited. I, I think I posted this is the first time that uh, I've had a Trojan team that was alive on my birthday. <laughs> Since I was 20 years old in 14 oh, wow. years, you know, so um, normally by this time, I, you know, I, I'm not I'm like watching the Sweet 16 or other teams and I'm not being having a, having a chance to root for them. So uh, it's been a, a good start so far for Coop and for me. And uh, we'll hope that they, we can keep it rolling this weekend coming up. But uh, what we have coming up, Chad, is a hell of a lot in the next few weeks in the world of wrestling. And generally, the last couple of weeks when we've talked, we've we've we talked a lot of WWE, AEW, and NXT has gotten a little short change. So I want to start with NXT a little bit now and kind of go through what looks to be their cards that they have for rest their two t- nights of their takeover WrestleMania, which will be Wednesday, April seventh, and Thursday, April eighth. So we got. Um, what well, looks like night one, they announced a gauntlet eliminator uh, eliminator for an NXT North American title shot. So the final six superstars from this twelve man battle royal are going to be is going to are going to get into a match where they the winner will face Johnny Gargano. So this is going to be pretty pretty wild. There's a lot of talent in here. I think we've looked at Jake Atlas, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Leon Ruff, Austin Theory, Dexter Loomis, Tyler Rust, Kushida, Cameron Grimes, Pete Dunne, Roderick Strong, Bronson Reed, and L.A. Knight. Winner challenges Gargano night two. What's cool about that is, you know, at first look, I think of someone like Austin Theory or Dexter Loomis winning, but you can legitimately make a case for almost every one of these guys to to you know be in that spot the next night. I mean, if if it was Pete Dunne, it wouldn't surprise us. If it was Cameron Grimes, it wouldn't really be a shock. Roderick wouldn't be that much of a shock. Bronson and LA Knight have something going on. I guess it wouldn't be too much of a shock there either. So you know, I, I think this is kind of a, a fun match to add to night one. Yeah, uh, right off the bat, as you mentioned, the first two names um, that that definitely comes to mind because you think storyline what they've been in, and you you can throw out. Well, it has to be a face winning this, right? Because Gargano is a, a is a heel. That necessarily doesn't. I, I don't know if I would go that direction. I don't think it has to be a. I don't a either. Wins this? Now, it very well could be. Um, I don't know if Pete Dunn, who was in the you know the NXT uh, heavyweight title picture, didn't he uh, say something that he was going to be wrestling the best wrestler in the world? And right. that was and that was something that kind of threw a lot of people off because people were um, even predicting someone like Daniel Bryan for right. Pete Dunn. Um, right. And and maybe now they have made a, an they have called an audible and decided to put Daniel Bryan in you know the triple threat title match and and maybe now they have or they've had plans for some who knows that's just speculating but I sure. could I could see Pete Dunn anytime Pete Dunn is in a like a top tier kind of match it's not surprising because you know you're going to get an awesome 15, 20 minute match from him and they really like him on the big stage yeah and, and it's weird that. Um... I just don't know if L. I, look, I'm a huge Eli Drake, L.A. Knight fan. I, I'm, I'm I can't still believe getting, he lost. That's where I'm going. I, I still am trying uh, to get adjusted to the name, um, but that's okay. It, it kind of flows well, like Eli Drake, L.A. Knight. Yeah, he but, could do the same, you know, like alliteration sure, kind of thing. Yeah. But losing to Bronson Reed 
is I, look if they have a rematch it's I, I don't think it's going to be a takeover now because now they're in a battle royal so i immediately thought okay they're gonna have a rematch la night wins well ugh, that kind of yeah. throws that out I, I just don't i did not like that booking so if la night were to win this it's kind of like well gee you know he, he, lost, he have but, him lose right right yeah. it, it, you know it could be but man i you know i wouldn't mind seeing austin theory you know that would be this. fun yeah, that would be, be really, fun. really fun. I think that you know that one seems like it makes a lot of sense, and that should be uh, just an awesome uh, eliminator there. Yeah, uh, oh, looks yeah. like looks like Champa's gonna uh, Champa is gonna be uh, facing Walter for oh, the NXT UK yeah. title. This thing should be hard hitting as hell. You know, it was good to see Walter come back to NXT over here. Um, he's always been a talent that you thought could very well make the main roster, and he probably will. Sooner rather than later He has the look, the persona It's just a mean SOB And uh, the size difference is kind of uh, okay But man, Tomas is such a beast himself This is going to be uh, stiff as they come This this is going to be a, a, a hardcore wrestling type match And you know, I think Ciampa's in a spot Where we don't really predict or predict him to win a lot of matches no. He's no. kind of in the getting people over spot sure. um, Which he's been doing for a while Because he had his run, you know Where he was the psycho killer And, and I think sure. he enjoys... Doing this right now too I'm sure he would like to be elevated a little bit more But he still gets the opportunity To be in um, high profile matches And this match with Walter and him Is going to be It's going to be different than a lot of the other matches on the show And over those two nights Because this thing is just going to be a full out brawl Like these dudes are just going to be Beating on each other Uh, So (laughs) I look forward to that one the NXT division uh, It looks like they're going to have a triple threat For the vacant NXT tag team titles MSK versus the Grizzled Young Veterans Versus Legado, Legado del Fantasma So again uh, MSK has just been uh, skyrocket They've had a, a rocket on them uh, For a while now And all three of these teams can go That match at TakeOver was really really good And now you add Legado del Fantasma Into the mix there too So this should be like a really cool 15-20 minutes Yeah there's going to be a lot of spots uh, If you if you're a spotty type person match this is You'll love this MSK <laughs> you know, you know, wins the, the Dusty Cup um, I, I would think they're they're probably the favorites, them or, or uh, the grizzled fellas. Um, I, MSK though, I definitely would put the titles on them and let yeah. them go in that direction. Feels like it's their time. Let, yeah, let them run, have yes. a run for a, a while right now. They're hot. And then we've been uh, th- we've been seeing them build this match for a while now. The NXT Women's Title match in a women's division that is so so strong. Right now, EO has no doubt, uh, you know, been the one rising to the top, and they have booked Raquel strong for a while. This kind of felt like the match that they had to have on this women's Mania Takeover weekend. Yeah, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it it's the main event for night yep, one. I do. Uh, I think so. So I, you know, now is the time. You know, I, I like EO. I think it's time to move the belt, uh, the NXT women's belt. I think it's time to move the the, the SmackDown championship belt. I, I think it's time to move I a agree. lot of belts. EO this can is, come up right now. Absolutely. And, and, and lo- her losing the title does absolutely no. – it does not do anything negative for her or her, her streak, her, her push. I, I think Raquel is, is eventually will, will move up. They really, really like her. I think it's time to get her out of the tag division. You kind of see her a little bit. They may, her and Dakota are kind of like, uh, there's a little seed that's there. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe she turns on her and I can see Raquel going face down the I, line. I think uh, so too. You know, 
Can't you see that? I just hope Dakota doesn't get involved in this match and cause her to lose it. I, I think that would be a I down. I think we agree. passed the I would, here. I could see like a match. Uh, the, the ending that I would love would just be like an ending where they have this incredible match and you, she sort of gets turned baby face just by the yes. awesome match that she has. And the, both women are kind of, they do the embrace after Raquel wins the match. That that was what I would I'd love to see. And then, I mean, just fantasy booking, how great would it be after WrestleMania to have EO jump up and she could be in the mix over there with Sasha and with Bianca, you know, on SmackDown side and add something new there, or you put her up on the mix on the other side and she can be in the mix there with Asuka and Rhea and Charlotte. I think she would add a real fresh face to either women's division and then you put it on Raquel and we've talked about how many women in NXT right on the heels just waiting. Waiting, waiting for their shot to move back up, right? Tony Storm has been in that mix for a while. And then the girls like Candice and even Dakota, like all of them with their opportunity to move up a little bit would be really fun contenders. You could have immediately uh, something with Raquel and Dakota. You know, if Dakota, if Raquel kind of turns babyface and you can have Dakota be a heel, that could be one of her first feuds to kind of establish her, get a nice win. I, I think it's got to be the time for Raquel. Yeah, and you, you, you know, let's not forget there's a new crop that we, you know, that NXT just signed. You yeah. know, Taya Valkyrie, her name has changed. You know, she won't be, unfortunately, she won't be Taya Valkyrie in, in NXT. But the, you, there's a lot of options coming up. Um, I just think the 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 best bet is for Raquel to go over, EO to move up, and then a, a an automatic build-in first feud would be Dakota Sky. Like, hey, look, I carried you. You know, I, I you, fought, you followed my lead. We were the tag champions. We did this. We done that. You know, um, we won the we won this. We won that. And, and now you owe me a title shot. So I love that. It's built in. It's built yep. in. It's perfect. It makes sense. That's night one with Raquel Eo, uh, the triple threat for the NXT Tag Team Titles: MSK, Grizzled Young Veterans, Legado del Fantasma, uh, Champa, Walter, and then that Gauntlet Eliminator. That is what is announced for night one so far. Announced for night two on Thursday, April eighth. This will be the NXT North American title match where Gargano will face the winner of that gauntlet eliminator. Like we said, uh, you could pick many, but Theory and Loomis sort of feel like the ones. And Theory would would kind of be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it just it makes the most sense. Not that no one else, uh, anyone else in that in, in that match would put on a, a hell of a show with Gargano. But, you know, Bronson Reed doesn't feel right. I, I still don't think L.A. Knight feels right. But now. Not after you know, that loss. Broderick that would loss. sort of be out of place, and Pete yes. would kind of be out of place. At least with, like, Kushida, they've got a history, you know, so, I like, maybe they could tie that one back in. But the more we look at this, it feels like it's a theory or a Loomis would probably make the most sense here. Absolutely, and it would be a great match. I mean, yeah. remember, this is night two, and remember, you're going to have to watch this on Peacock. This, you know, this won't yeah. be on USA Network. It's not no. going to be on WWE app. So uh, they're going to go all out uh, on this night. We got the uh, ladder match for the Cruiserweight title unification We've got the NXT Cruiserweight champion Jordan Devlin We got the NXT Cruiserweight (laughs) champion Santos Escobar Uh, Devlin was the guy that For the early Cruiserweight title Uh Cruiserweight tournament they, they You could tell they've been high on this guy for a long time They sort of thought of him as maybe like the next Finn Balor he was someone who when he was Young there was a, a lot of um, Just kind of He was polarizing a lot of people thought he Was going to be great a lot of people didn't think he was that Good and he was just kind of overrated and Getting pushed but he is someone who 
it feels like he's been around forever and he's still young as can be. This should be a good, a really good match, though. Anytime he's in the ring, he's good. And he does got a little bit of a thin sort of look to him. Yeah, he does. You know, it's kind of been interesting with him. Uh, you know, it, it, it hurts kind of like with AEW. It kind of hurts when some guys don't get that pop from a big live audience. Yep. I, he would have gotten that coming back. Yeah. But this is the type of match here that will show you. If you really didn't know who, if you started watching NXT several months ago for the first time and you're just now seeing this guy, you're like, okay, I don't know who he is. You know, he had a match this week on NXT. Yeah, he went over. It was okay. It wasn't stellar. Nothing special, um, yeah. thought the commentary was a little sloppy in that match, too. They kind of like, oh, Jordan won. I thought that was sloppy and it didn't help the match either. But this match right here will get him back on track and I think it'll be an excellent uh, for night, too. The other two matches that they have announced, uh, the NXT title match, Karrion Cross versus Finn Balor. Uh, when when Carrion came out initially, and Finn sort of said, "What took you so long?" That that first like little uh, build. This should be a ton of fun. The entrances with these two alone should be incredible. They'll go at it. It really does feel like uh, Cross, who had to relinquish the belt, um, it should come come back and get it. And then, do we get? Eventually Finn to, to move back up You know does Finn after this solid run Down at NXT does he You know inject some sort of a new Blood or some new life onto the Raw or the Smackdown side That's what it feels like to me uh, I mean look it should, right? it should. Uh, Carrying Cross that, that is uh, You know and it, and it helps when uh, It doesn't hurt when you have uh, You know Scarlet with you But that <laughs> yeah. is just and it's going to be over the top Two, you know, now um, in this match, and you, as you mentioned, Finn's entrance is is one of the best of all time up there. It definitely feels like that Carrion is going to go over in this match. You know, they booked it, so it seems this guy has just been on a, you know, since coming back from, you know, a second injury, a major injury in his career. It seems like all systems are go with him. And uh, while Finn has been the, you know, the title holder, we talked about this, you know, several times. Finn doesn't need to be the title holder in NXT. I, I don't think you need to have a name, no. um, uh, a, a main roster name, come back down. And, and, I, and I, I wonder now, because they're moving off of Wednesdays now, right? And right. so there's not going to be this war that they were trying to kind of have with AEW. And it's right. not going to really be a thing about who's getting higher ratings or we got to try to counter program their big segment with the big segment from us. Maybe they'll just kind of, I don't think NXT has been bad at all. In fact, I think, yeah. in, I think the, the NXT is the most consistent show probably every week. Like there's probably the least bad on that show of any of the wrestling shows I watch. But there has been a noticeable difference in NXT from NXT on the network to NXT when it moved to USA Network, um, it felt like they were sort of booking things at a quicker pace. They had more time to fill, so they couldn't sort of take the the more slow, kind of really old school territory build that NXT used to have. I'm kind of hoping that they can get not all the way back to that, but just a little more back to that. Yeah, things will change, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, things will slow down. I think, we'll, uh, as you mentioned you know, them going head-to-head with AEW, it seems like, you know, the same... We ha- we have to see this the same consistency on NXT with the same workers and the same wrestlers and the same superstars week after week having to be on there because you didn't want a guy to miss or a, or a girl to miss 
a couple of episodes because then when you bring them back, it's like all of a sudden, okay, you know, short term short term memory loss. We've already forgotten about these folks, so they kind of keep the same people on TV each week. And then if you're off TV, it's like, oh, where's this guy been? Where are and, you? Or, you know, and you know, look at Tony Storm. She was hot. She has now. She has basically, I don't know, nothing. Nothing happening. So I don't know if that's, you know, that's another rant. So I don't know if she's coming up or she's going to stay there and she's going to have to wait her turn again. But um, going to Tuesday nights, uh, having Cross uh, as your champion as a move move to tuning out. I just don't know if it does anything for Finn Balor to be your champion on Tuesday. Yeah, I think I think you can kind of relax a little bit more there. Yes. Uh, they yep. won't be relaxing in the unsanctioned match. Oh, Adam wow. Cole is going to see if he can uh, one-up Dr. Britt Baker with what she had to do <laughs> yeah. a few weeks ago. His uh, yeah. his significant other, Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly there. No rules, no liability. These two are going to just crush it. And we, we've said this about three or four people Because it feels that way It does really feel like Adam Cole has done I think everything he can in NXT Yeah, you know, this is uh, I don't know what's left for him Now I'm scared for him to move up because Me too I, I, I love Adam Cole at NXT He's just, he's over And sometimes when you move over guys And over girls up to the main roster It's tough getting over with that crowd We've mentioned well, and, it And I times, think right? he actually might be better when there were cra- when there are crowds. Oh yeah, because yeah. of his stick, that baby, just even something like that. Like everybody will knows that Adam Cole baby. You know what I mean? So he yeah, comes out that yeah, first night. Everybody does it, and he's already gonna feel a little confident. You know, um, you go out there when there aren't fans. Like after WrestleMania, they're gonna have they're building another Thunderdome now, and who knows? Is it gonna be two months, four months, six months to where they're actually able to to go back to Touring again you know um, So that that's another thing you're oh, that's A great point that you made about some of these guys and Gals coming up do they decide To bring them up yet Or do they continue to kind of hold off on them Because uh, I, I Would just love to see man Cole Coming up um, Finn Coming back up you know you throw one of them on Each raw and smackdown That kind of spices things up a little bit you bring Up an EO you know you bring up uh, A Tony if you're gonna do that you inject Them on opposite sides like Things could could be really, really fresh on the main roster. And like you said, they have so many people at NXT waiting in the wings. All these new talent they just brought right. in that aren't even on TV yet. So I think they NXT needs to churn a little bit more right now. I think they need to, to get three or four of their sort of main star, mainstay stars up and get a few new people in that they can elevate. That's that. I mean, fantasy booking. I mean, uh, with 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 Cole and O'Reilly. I mean, who goes over? I mean, I, I don't think it, it it would hurt for Adam Cole to lose. But no. if, if you're moving him up, I you know I think that's kind of been the mo. If you lose, you're probably going up. I don't see O'Reilly moving up anytime. No, soon. no. He could be, and he could be good in the title feud for a while. Like O'Reilly sure. Cross would be sure. a fine match. You know, he he's great work rate. So anytime you put O'Reilly in there, he's a really good uh, pawn to be able to kind of use yes. in different spots. And and he hasn't really had the like main guy run for no. all that long. So I'm fine with him staying around there. And yeah. those yeah. two nights, I think they've got seven or eight eight matches that we've gone through so far that they've announced. I'm sure they'll add a, a couple things here and there. But looks like a very very strong Wednesday Thursday night we're going to be having uh, in a few weeks, Chad. Yeah, and you know it's. Uh... Unfortunately, I'm more hyped up about the NXT TakeOver two nights than I am right now with WrestleMania. Just Let's get into we, it. 
as we talked WWE, it's just something we knew we're missing. Right. We knew what to expect last year, right? Expect hmm. the unexpected. There's not going to be fans. This is what we got. We're happy that it's right. It's happening. Anything. We're happy that we now got it's it. Like, oh, uh, there's some clunky booking going on here. Yeah. Even though I do think that all the shows this past week were much better to the following week, and I think the volume will be will get turned up here over the next couple of weeks. But we've got a lot of our matchups already set, and it's just still, you know, as as we look at SmackDown and after Fastlane, Daniel Bryan has to be in the triple has threat. To be. Hell, he's on he the poster of WrestleMania. The main he poster, has to be right? the he way they. Be. And the way we've talked about the last few weeks, it it wasn't a coincidence how Edge's character changed. You caught on. You you we, said it first, man. He was being so Keely tweener to Daniel Bryan that is just not the way that babyface Edge would have been, right? Like that babyface Edge who's just happy to be back. He would have said, "Bring on Daniel Bryan," you know, like I'll take on Daniel Bryan and Roman. We'll have an awesome like that's so you could tell. And I think um just. I think they were a little they were a little worried about the reaction that the fans were going to give to Roman Reigns in that match. Right. I, I think that they are worried that the fans are going to cheer Roman and that Edge would end up being a heel in that match. At least when you inject Daniel Bryan, he's always going to get cheered. He is like your your white meat mega baby face. So you kind of I, I think I, I, who knows, maybe I'm dead wrong, but that's the sense that I got all along. And after Fastlane, Chad, you're right. We there's no way. Daniel Bryan is too hot right now and too much a part of his storyline for them to just not insert him and it to just to go back. It would sort of feel like a little bit of a letdown right now if he's not in this match. Well, he's only has one or two options that we know of, right? He's either in this in this match with or Roman Uso. Edge or he's going with Uso, which is yeah, they that would be a good match, but it was also it's also a good match on SmackDown. It, it's mm-hmm. not going to elevate WrestleMania and it's not going to do anything to the WrestleMania card. Putting them together now. What do you do with Uso? I don't know. He don't need to really be anything because he gets involved with Roman matches mm-hmm. anyway. He could interfere in that match, but Daniel Bryan is on this poster now. So unless you're trying to swerve, uh, swerve us, which it could happen, I just I, I don't think that's a that's a sign that they're swerving us. I think Vince wants the yes chance with yeah. the people back. He wants those people to yes chanting as Daniel Bryan Absolutely. comes out. Like I just. I, I think so. It's, it's, it seems that's the case. And, and let's, you know, I'm sure we'll get into WrestleMania in depth here over the next couple of weeks, but is it that far off that this guy doesn't win this match? Uh, and, and the now with hit with edge and Brian being in there, you add in the, fa- the, op, the, the possibility that Roman can lose without being pinned. Absolutely. Too, which yes. is, you know, edge can take a fall. Daniel Bryan can take a fall from either or, but it would be a big deal for Roman to lose. So they could actually get the title off of Roman. There could be something that happened where Jay Uso causes him to lose or doesn't get involved and Roman's pissed at him. And they, um, I, I, I don't know, man, this is, this it's is weird. This feels a lot like that a few years ago when Daniel Bryan got ejected, you know, like everything changed late. And it, it does. Yeah. And I like uh, it though. I kind of like it me, though. I do. Look, I, I have no problem with Jim Roman. But I really think Daniel Bryan now, which I've been bullish on Daniel Bryan for a long time, I've, this run right here of him putting a lot of people over, and then he kind of turns it up, and here he comes again, and now he's ejected himself into these main events. I can get behind him being the champion. I can. 
I, I, I like this uh, And and I like you said I like it that we don't We're, we're starting to ask questions now And we're yes. starting to like we're a little we're, we're, we're gonna maybe be surprised at something Which is what we want as wrestling fans They've announced Roman versus Edge For night two We'll find out on Friday or you know coming forward If and what Daniel Bryan's plans are And if he's injected into that match um, On night one so far They've announced Bad Bunny versus The Miz <laughs> We've got The Miz uh, Trying to break the guitar over him And then back and forth So um, we imagine Damian Priest is going to be involved And Morrison and that beautiful hair Is going to be involved So um, we, I, I think we we're all assuming It was going to be a tag team match But I guess it'll be a one-on-one here But it'll just it'll probably be a lot of bells and whistles With those other two guys too Yeah, and, and God love The Miz you know, uh, the Miz is not going to win this match. He's just not, nope. uh, unfortunately. Um, but Miz is his his reality show season, whatever it is, is about to start up again. He's a star. He does not win the look. It actually may hurt his character. You know, his shtick. If he went over on Bad Bunny, um, I, look, it, it is what it is. This is what you get. We usually get one of these type of matches at WrestleMania, and uh, the Miz uh, probably, if you look on that roster, the Miz is the guy to probably the best work with at this time uh, for you know for it. Yep, this is gonna be. This will be very predictable and very much Bad Bunny, and we'll get a, a good couple of good spots of flying off the top rope or something, you know, and something that they can show on uh, on all the the mainstream media outlets, you know, Bad Bunny pinning the Miz, and and that's what it'll end up being here. Um, the SmackDown Women's Championship: Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair. Um, I I'm I frustrated. The, me, me too. I think with a lot of, with all of these matches on paper. I think they're all going to be fine matches. Actually, I, I don't think any of them really that we look at are actually going to be like bad in-ring work or bad quality. Um, I, I don't like the build what they've been doing with this match. It just no, it felt no. like the it you, it could have been just so easy with these two. You didn't have to do the whole put them in a tag team storyline that WWE loves to do. I don't like seeing these two losing matches leading up to WrestleMania. It could it should have just been and very easily could have been. I think I'm the best. You think you're the best. And and that's where it was going. And that's what everybody just wanted to see. They got in their own way, not yeah. the work. But WWE got it. They definitely took the You talk about a match that everyone was hyped to see. Do you remember Bianca winning the Women's Royal Rumble now? No, I don't. Because it's been horrible booking since then with her. You know, she kind of, you know, toyed around. Am I going to Asuka? Am I going to SmackDown? So we decided on SmackDown. They did what we all hate. They put them in a tag. Uh, Reginald is still kind of involved somehow. I, I which if you want, that's fine. Even though it takes away from the match, but this past last week on SmackDown was just a, a horrible match for them to to be involved in, and there's just no buzz right now nope. for them. There's just not. That's nope. a, that's been a big letdown. That's been a big letdown. I agree. Um, and and it's a type of match that can absolutely steal the show. And then if it does afterwards, we'll be talking about what a great match it was. It was just the build to it from Rumble up till the first month was fine. What they were yeah. doing. It's just yeah. been the last few weeks once they they got him in this tag team and they've lost as a tag team every time. And every time one of them looks stupid, I just don't like it. it, no, I, it I, I hate the champ losing. If you want Bianca to take a pin, that's fine. Let's. Sasha does not need to be losing any type of gimmick tag stick matches at all. I don't like that at all. At all. So we get to the other match that's been announced so far for night one uh, WWE Championship Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. Um, I mean, Bobby's hot. He's doing 
he's doing good stuff. Um, and you know, we have I gotta say, like Seamus and, and Bobby had another good match. Like Seamus has been awesome for the last yeah, month yes. in race. Yeah, yes. And and is it looks like I don't know if they're doing some sort of a turn. I don't know what like I never know what they're doing with Riddle because it like they make him <laughs> sound so goofy and like so hateable with some of the stuff that he says. He's so annoying sometimes <laughs> that it almost looked like Seamus turned babyface by yeah, going after yeah. Riddle. So um I think it looks like we're going to probably be getting a Sheamus versus Riddle U.S. title match. We were kind of wondering what Riddle was going to do, and at right. least this gives Sheamus something. And then we'll yep. get the uh, the Lashley Drew match, where um, you know, again, both both of these matches will be good on paper. I like that we're getting a little more fire now between Drew and Bobby. I feel like it's starting to slowly get ramped up. Just the whole P- um, fast lane in the middle of it, I think, just it hurts some of their their momentum too. Yeah, I'll talk about that uh, that match first. Um, you know, and and now that we're geared up for that match, and and it's going to be one hell of a match. I, I think both guys are will will tear the house down. And Lashley has been the hottest of hot. Him and Daniel Bryan. But now, you know, you see Cedric and Shelton now are kind of being scolded for you know their minions being involved. You're making Lashley look weak. So are they going to throw? give you that look and you know and like oh let's not do something silly and have bobby look i think we both agree that bobby lashley needs to go over right at wrestlemania i I just have i have that bad i'm a betting guy so i would i want money so i would bet that somehow drew gets that title if if bobby lashley is going to lose i i guess you're going to have a shenanigans where you know shelton and 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 cedric they they cause a, a problem. We just saw it on them getting involved. And maybe the, that's like the Bobby babyface full turn. And it could be. It could be. Bobby Lashley loses, and he, you know. And, but then he he doesn't chase Drew. I don't know. I just think Lashley needs this run. I agree. More than Drew does man? It's, I it's, just, it stinks I just, because I completely understand what the the general consensus from like WWE probably is is like Drew didn't get his moment right. last year. He was supposed to have the moment with the fans at Mania. He didn't. And then he was our guy through the pandemic, like carrying us when Roman wasn't around, when, you know, some of the the top females weren't around. Drew was always there week in, week out, having really solid matches on TV and having pretty good segments on TV, too. He never was looking too goofy or he never came off like a... um, like a with one of those just awful dumb baby faces. He's actually been built and been booked really strong for the last year and a half. It just sucks that right now Lashley <laughs> is hot. It's yeah. like and you got to make you got to be able to call an audible and make a change. If they're going to do that on SmackDown, why aren't they going to do it on Raw? Right? If they're going to insert Daniel Bryan in because they felt like they needed a little more oomph to that match, I think you got to stick with Lashley here. Um I do. He's just who knows if you could ever get him back to this where he is. I think Drew has kind of established himself as a main eventer now. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Look, he he he. The title. I don't think it elevates him anymore because he held it for a while. You know, and, and and that's what that's. I'm a betting guy, so I you know I would bet that Drew would win the match. It'll be interesting to see the you know the uh, the opening odds 
to this because, you know, uh, that kind of sets the tone. But, man, it just would be a huge disappointment for Lashley to lose that title in some kind of shenanigan way. And on the flip side of it, over there with Riddle and Sheamus, Riddle has just been annoying for a while, right? Yeah. With his little scooter. Uh, he does it with the new days, like, Hey bro, uh, you know, and, and now Seamus is going to beat the piss out of him. He you is. Know? He I is. don't think Seamus wins the title. Um, but I just think he beats the piss out of him and, uh, <laughs> that'll be great. It will I think it'd be great. I think it would it, be great. It, yeah. Cause it's the same thing. It's like riddle. He's great when he's in the ring. As soon as he gets he in is. the ring, he always has awesome matches. It's he like, does. and I don't. It, there's he's not like if you just listen to him talk or if you heard him in interviews and stuff he's not that much of a snossage as he comes no. off as on TV so <laughs> they're like really making him lay it on thick like that um and i, I don't mind seeing Shabas bro kick him uh, coming up soon um Oscar Rhea Ripley hey Rhea showed up because of yeah. Charlotte having some covid stuff and i can't believe they actually mentioned that Charlotte has covid they they've kind of they've only done that once or twice with Drew and uh, a few other people but Oscar Rhea Ripley maybe if Charlotte's back they insert her here even if not this this is going to be great yeah and it's not a lot of build and i no build none okay. i mean I think no that's build okay. i think that's okay because uh, we don't want Oscar and Rhea in a damn tag team, right? And them losing to, you know, uh, Naomi or I, I, I don't know. You, you just, th- this doesn't really need the bill um, because they're two strong competitors, strong personalities. And uh, it definitely feels like the time. No, it's, you know, we could see a Charlotte get injected into this and, you know, fine uh, before Mania. But man, I, I, you know, I think last year was the moment too with Rhea and Charlotte and it was kind of taken away from her. So, Maybe it's that booking with Rhea now. Maybe, hey, let's give her this moment moment back that she was supposed to have in Tampa last year and let her go over and win the title. We have got to get the end of this fiend Randy Orton stuff. Um, it's <laughs> it just has been going on for so long, so it's been long. Great, but it's kind of like the f- Friday the Thirteenth. Jason takes Manhattan or Jason versus Freddy. Right? It's like the ninth one. It's like yep. okay, let's let's you know the the Alexis deal. Match gimmick at Fast Lane was cool, and hey, the Fiend has a new look, and then you know Randy tries to light him on fire and all this stuff. But yeah, that's Randy, and this has been great work with Randy Orton. He's been great, but it's he's bought in. He really is bought in, and and if this ends with a Firefly Funhouse match, like we're all expecting, and we get you know a fun look at Randy Orton, a trip through his career. And all the stuff that he's done, people who he's punted in the head and, you know, going back to evolution or legacy or any of those <laughs> things. Like, that would be really fun and and different. A lot of these Fiend um, matches have been sort of cinematic. And I think that's probably the best way to sort of end this. And then Randy can maybe go away. He'll probably be off TV for a month or so. And then, you know, you kind of can sort of repackage him or sort of ha- have him go in another direction when he comes back. But feels like that's probably the best way for this to end that Firefly Funhouse match like we saw with Cena last year um, I think they've uh, We're going to get the New Day versus AJ And Omos um, Omos, what's your favorite color? Mauve <laughs> that, was, that was pretty funny for that For that. And then uh, Shane and Braun God, just God uh, just, Those two just, matches have been announced I, I, don't, I don't understand Like Shane to tricked him And now they're going to have A, a match I, I just, I don't Shane has been if they just want me to think Shane is the stupidest 
guy in the world right now They've done a good job The problem is is it's sort of like go away heat It's not like good heat right It's like no, when, when right. he comes on yeah. right now And he, I know he's going to do this calling Braun stupid stuff It's like it's very cringy I, You know I used to I, look, I have nothing against Shane McMahon. I've always no. liked his character. You know, I've liked it when he's been in big matches. He's delivered. He's not a great wrestler. He's a great performer, though. But this is a train wreck of yeah. all train wrecks. And it just keeps getting worse every time that, that Shane gets on the mic. I don't know what's happened to him. I don't know if someone's they've told him this is what you want to do. I don't know if he's being ribbed. I don't know if he's lost a bet. But this is bad, and this can't end. You talk about things that need to end. This has to. I don't know what type of match this is going to be, um, but it has to end with the Braun just squashing this guy. And we don't need to see Shane back. I, I'd rather see Stephanie back on TV every yeah. week than, than seeing Shane back after this. Shane, in the last couple of years too, he's gotten um, worse with his his. Uh, his promos and his delivery He's like he, he he butchers his lines a lot He, he didn't used to be that way when no, he, 20 no. years ago he was actually really good You know which way did he go Which way did he go <laughs> I remember like he, you know And he he's just there's sometimes Where you you're watching him and you're like Oh he forgot his lines Yep you, oh yeah you can just see oh, it He's oh, like yeah. struggling to to like find the words What he's supposed to say so There I'm not looking forward To I, the build hasn't been great. I'm not. That's probably the match I'm least looking forward to. But you know what you'll get. You'll probably just get Shane jumping off of something in a spot. And if we get that spot and Braun goes over, and then we're done with this, I'll be happy moving forward. <laughs> uh, probably gonna get a Andre the Giant Memorial. We we might get a women's battle royal. I'd imagine if they try to get everyone on the show. Um, so you'll you could get maybe one of those each night. Uh, SmackDown tag champ Ziggler and Rude versus the Street Profits probably. Um. So I, you know, we'll, we'll probably get that match, and then Biggie Apollo. It looks like we'll we'll continue with that. I like Apollo's. I just didn't love the result over the weekend at the pay per view. Same yeah. sort of thing. The booking, right? If you're gonna go with Apollo Biggie at Mania, just why even put that match on Fastlane and and let it just build for the next few weeks to Mania? Yeah, it really, you know, or just DQ it. I don't know. I look. I, yeah. It just seems like these these finishes, and then you know it, it's so predictable, right? As soon as the finish, the guy who loses, you know, just beats the hell out of the other one. I, I don't know. I, I think you had a, you had some good stuff with Apollo. You know, people have forgotten about Fastlane because it wasn't one of their best, and usually those type of pay per views are really good for WWE. They are. Once they are expected, but this one did not deliver. I don't think we ever need anything like this. And I know there were some issues with people who watched it on Peacock, and you mentioned it a month ago. Maybe this is why this was a trial run for Mania for this, but we could have done something better than that because this makes the rematch uh, for for Mania just kind of obsolete. A little less, just yeah. a little less, you know. And so um, I thought that you could say the TV shows this week were actually. Fine, they weren't bad um, And hopefully in these next two weeks They're going to really ramp up the build yeah. Because on oh, paper, yeah. I think we're going to come out of Wrestlemania And I don't think we're going to look at any of the matches And go, oh that was a one star match or, That match was terrible or blue. Right. But we're not going to be as like as Pumped for them if we can't get A, a pretty strong next couple of weeks of closing build So let's hope for that um, We head over to AEW I thought the show was okay I thought there was Maybe just a few things really to discuss off of it um, Omega, Matt Seidel In a non-title match early Not a whole lot there We got Hangman to win over Caesar Bononi Who they've been showcasing a little bit more out there Hangman gets a squash so not much there And hey just uh, 
hopefully down the line, those are the two guys that we keep talking about. Like <laughs> we want to see it be Hangman versus Kenny, you know, at, at some point, and Hangman be the guy. So you know, he's getting squashes at at least, and they're keeping Hangman uh, looking strong along the way. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I look, and, and now you have. Yeah, I have Omega on Impact, uh, who's who's working a program with Rich Swan, their Impact champion, and we know that Swan's not going to win the title at Rebellion. I think that's Impact's next pay per view. But uh, I, you know, it, it was better than last week. Um, I just don't get the the Sting Archer that we're going with now. Uh, I don't get that. Um, you know, we finally get Christian Cage in action. I think next week, right? They announced Kazarian. That, you know? Yeah, it looks like they had a little interaction. That was. Fine, like you know, we'll get we'll get Christian. Sure, um, oh, I'm okay. I thought the main event was solid. I thought two young guys are you know two guys going at it. I wasn't necessarily blown. Darby's a star. I've always yeah. said they won. I have no problem with TV every week. It used to be every week, but I, I don't know. Now we get a you know a new reality show with Cody, Cody. And Brandy, and this is just you know basically like a Miz and Mrs. rip off. Exactly. I, I I don't know, man. I, I just. I'm o- I was okay with the show. Um, Brit, well, the, I think that the the biggest thing to take away from the show. So, um, yeah, we hit the Varsity Blondes versus FTR and Sean Spears. Like that was um, he, the pinnacle. I'm I'm very interested where they go moving forward. Right, so right. I like that they're progressing them. But it was just you know nothing nothing like special there. Um, the one thing that stood out the most to me was the the Britt Baker promo, which was Absolutely. incredible. It was amazing, it was incredible. Yeah, just, look, and I know, I know. Look. I know AEW is probably saying right now, well, we told you, she, you know, she didn't have to win. Well, then, as I mentioned to you on Twitter, Thunder Rosa goes to NWA. And loses. And loses. What are we doing? I just, I don't know. But, man, Britt Baker is so damn good. It's ever Dude. since that promo. Look, when her and Shivani hooked up, right, and they kind of started going at it, I'm like, this is cool. I like this. Yeah. And then when they were doing weekly television shows in different cities and she cut that promo, I'm the best baker to ever been in Cleveland. You know, I'm the new role model. Is- I'm like, she's a, she's a star man. And that, in that promo, you know, she was, you know, one sentence away from that. All of the WWE roster was caught. All everybody was calling me. I, I just, that is your, give her the title, give it to her and let her be the star of that show. Hell, she's got more, more than Omega, more than Cody now. I she agree. Just, she's a star, man. She is. She it, is. This was awesome. She it's said, amazing. you know, she starts tr- trashing him. She says she put this place on the map. She mentions Mick Foley, and she yeah. says it took him 20 years to be a hardcore legend. She did it at one night. One- and Mick Foley tweeted, ouch, that hurt. Like, it was pretty fun. <laughs> that hurt my feelings, you know? And uh, this was, to me, you know, this, um, knowing we'll get Christian uh, Kazarian next week, um, we got the pinnacle um, and MJF speaking. Those are some of the things that stood out. Um, yeah. QT yeah. Marshall, he's, you know, heel turn th- sort of thing with Cody. Um, they're going to have like a, an exhibition kind of a, a match here. Like, this is fine. I just, it's just it's the type of thing that bothers me with this stuff is like, okay, so a few weeks ago, it felt like Scorpio Sky. Right. He wins the match. He then he turns. We're gonna get a lot of Scorpio Sky, and now he's wrestling on Elevation. You know, next week, and he. So we, it's like a start stop with a lot of these. Are we gonna really get anything from QT here after this? I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm just look. Um, 
my emotions and thoughts with AEW is is it's not a roller coaster because they're normally down. Britt Baker, uh, it starts with her, and then it goes down. It's like, okay, where do we go from here? Yeah, the Young Bucks are established. Yeah, Omega established. Then you have all of these. You have a locker room that's so much more bigger than the WWE, regardless if these people are on full-time or not. They're working on Monday nights or Tuesday nights uh, on dark or dark elevation on Monday nights. But I don't know if you've looked at the last two or the first two dark elevations. They're, they're no different than AEW Dark. It's the it's, same, it's the same thing. The same style of match. Omega. I think they announced Omega for next Monday night. It's the same style of stuff other than Paul White doing the announcing. And that has really done nothing for me. I know... You know, then you, as you mentioned, Scorpio Sky, look, okay, I can get into him turning heel. And then he does like a kind of a promo type deal. Put him on TV, man. The guy's a good worker. He can run him in the ring. Get, put him in the ring. I don't want to see any more promos from these guys. I, I, I know all about them. Let them work. And that's what drives me insane. You don't see these guys for two or three weeks and you throw them on YouTube. I'm not going to YouTube to watch Scorpio Sky. Go over on someone. Well, and and the people that are flipping through the channels on TNT that they're trying to hook, they're not. No, they're so not. It's not. When happening. you tell Look me at the numbers, yeah. Um, and so when you you gotta, I, I don't know. There's got like like we say. There's, I, I watch the show and there are plenty of things I can pluck out that are good, like on every wrestling show. But I sure. watch the show and there are a lot of things that I still have. Plenty of gripes and plenty of complaints about And I think that's something that you and I discuss And when I when I look and read a lot of other AEW recaps or um, Hear people talk about it I don't hear as much, uh, many gripes about things from them And I understand uh, wanting to give A new company the benefit of the doubt And I'm, I'm not one that I'm watching Every week and I'm enjoying it and we like a lot of the, the People on their roster I think that I just want to the consistency sort of from what this company had said they were going to be something that was different than WWE, something that was trying to be um, not an anti, but we're going to be sort of like an old school pro wrestling. And I don't know. um, I don't know if they've stayed quite consistent to that over the last couple months. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see. Like, I don't like this Kenny, this version of Kenny. um, I don't. I don't know, like he's not the the Kenny Omega that he was a few years ago. He's sort of cartoony. Yeah, you know. Look, I, I have no problem with Don Callis. I no. like him as a color commentary guy. I thought when he stepped away from that that role on Impact, it kind of like went downhill, so to speak. I definitely don't like uh, uh, what they had D'Lo Brown and Stryker over there. I, I can't get into that. But I just does Omega need a mouthpiece? No, he was the cleaner man. I mean, that was. I, I mean, he was the guy. I, I mean, we just he's not wrestling enough. He he was in tag team with Hankman. I, I thought that was a waste. I mean, and remember just, a, a couple months ago with with the Impact stuff, and everybody said this is going to be crazy and change things. And then ugh. there's been really like like you said. Okay, Omega's going to have a feud with Rich Swan. They've had a couple matches where some tag teams have gone back and forth. The Good Brothers just sort of feel like they're part of AEW. AEW now, yeah, you can. Forget it doesn't. It. It, it, and and the numbers for Impact over the last bad. couple weeks yeah. have gone down. In fact, even with Omega on their show last week, it was their lowest rated show right. of the year so far. So, so that tells not, you that tells you, Gino, in this day and age, people are not switching over because this guy. Is going on this show They're just not doing it They're not following it And you know look Hey the AEW title Elevated the, the championship on Mox 
Omega really did hasn't done anything for that title. I felt like this is no. you know, El Mox and Eddie Kingston have, have done more than than Omega has with Callus in this title. There's been some funny bits we've got out of it, but I want to see the cleaner, man. I want to see where, that. Where are the 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 Kenny Omega matches? Same just like you said, right? Like when we think of AEW, we never thought of any of these guys. Maybe no. Jer- someone like Jericho, sure, but like all of the the young bucks, Kenny Omega, uh, the people that this company was built on are workers, right? That's that's what they do, and that was what this was supposed to be. Um, I, I know they don't want to just have match, 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 match throughout, like throughout, but give me a little build, and then I need to see some of these guys a little more often having those kind of matches. Uh, I just. Yeah, I mean, I want to see a Kenny Omega like we saw some of his matches in New Japan. We haven't seen that version of him no. really. Um, no. So yeah, just I thought this was sort of just a um, a nondescript episode of of AEW, especially coming after the big one where where they ended with uh, with Britt and Thunder Rosa in that match a couple of weeks ago, and then a, you know a few weeks back you've got uh, Shaq over there, and a couple of the weeks you've, you've got Sting showing up. This one just kind of sort of felt like uh, I'll be curious to see what the ratings are because it didn't feel like there was a lot of buzz coming out of this show. No, no, yeah, it's I, spot on. You know, just just give me the cleaner. Look, if we're not going to have a pay per view every month, I don't know what their schedule is going to be. I don't know if it's every six weeks. Uh, I know they announced they're doing a house show at Daly's place on on like W on the weekend of WrestleMania, right? Or like the ninth, like right then. Look, there's not a lot of people look usually during WrestleMania week. It's the greatest time to be a fan. Why? Because if you go there, you get to see all these indie shows. There's not as many indie shows. They're doing them, but you still got a lot of people not traveling because of a pandemic, right? Whether you believe it's a pandemic or not, you still don't have a lot of people traveling down there to see that stuff. And I don't know what a house show gets AEW. I, I just don't understand that. Just put Omega on TV and let him wrestle. Let him wrestle. Let the Young Bucks wrestle. Let Hangman wrestle. That's what all elite wrestling was supposed to stand for. And we haven't, we've gotten pieces of it. We've gotten them being some old school wrestling. We, we, we get a few instances here and there, but we're not getting it. It's not even, it's not even been half of consistent. That's my no. big problem with AEW. Yeah, I agree, and uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll hope moving forward because they've got plenty of they've got the pieces. Got, look, Jay Cargill, who I was look, she's look, she's looking a star. Like a star now, right? I'm okay she's with a it. Star, it's new. let's she's do a it. star. Let's put her give, in the it, ring every week, right? You just talked about them. Like, give me, give me Jade, give me Britt, give me like I can I can think of ten right now who you can sort of do a better job of building around. I think they get too caught up in. Um, you know, just trying to please everybody. Yes. And, and and then what happens with that is, oh, you know what? He hasn't been on for like three weeks. Let's get him on, even though we really don't have any build for him or her, you know? Yeah. And yeah. and then it just sort of like it takes a little bit away from everything. So I think it, they're they're new. They've got money. They've got ability for to do like ma- major league level production, which they have, right? They're not like a wrestling I- promote like company that comes in and, and looks very like um, rinky dinky. Like they look big league. They feel big league. They have big league stars. Um, I think they need to be a little bit more consistent about it. And hey, keep in mind, we just went through the WrestleMania card and we talked about how we basically haven't liked the build for almost every match on that card too. So this isn't a just AEW thing. I think right now um, we'll give them some credit because of the pandemic has made it hard. But both of these companies right now need to uh, 
need to get a little boost, you know, um, a, a little bit of a boost right now because there's a lot of just eh on on both of these shows, and maybe that happens with some title changes for WWE, mm-hmm. and maybe this happens when NXT. May, maybe it's a blessing in disguise uh, that that they move to Tuesday nights, and AEW is kind of forced to like either one or two things is going to happen. The ratings are not going to improve for AEW or NXT, right? I don't think the bar is set where they have to have 800, 900,000 on Tuesday nights for AEW. They'd like it. But if the ratings don't start going up for AEW, if they stay in the sevens, maybe in the eights um, without competition, then you're going to have to start changing the model somehow, right? Yeah. We're going to have to this start doing a- I think the roster is way too big. And uh, I-, I think the YouTube shows have hurt them. I don't think it's helped them at all. But I think uh, Brit, it, start with Britt Baker and work your way down because yep. we know who the stars are now and we know who the, gets the biggest pops and the biggest numbers. Just put them on TV every week. That's all we ask. Let them work. Chad Cooper, Koopa Loop, best of luck to Houston this week. And then, man, uh, pretty crazy to think about. So the schedule that will start on April the 5th will be Monday Night Raw on Monday. Tuesday is going to be the Hall of Fame ceremony. Right. Wednesday is going to be night one of NXT TakeOver. Thursday is going to be night two of NXT TakeOver. Friday is going to be SmackDown Go Home Show for Mania. Saturday, night one of Mania. Sunday, night two of Mania. Monday, Monday Night Raw. Tuesday will be the first night that NXT is on Tuesday. <laughs> so That's <laughs> a lot. Gonna, <laughs> we are going to have... Uh, WWE, and that was I didn't even mention AEW at all there. That's WWE right. and NXT. Yeah, yeah that's all, all, them all the way through. So uh, the next couple of weeks, Koopa Loop, while they're previewing, recapping all this stuff, we're gonna have a bunch to discuss. Always appreciate your time, buddy, and I hope the Cougs uh, continue playing well and uh, good luck this week. Yeah, man. Let's. Uh, I always tell everybody, uh, G is the hardest hardest working man in show business. And keep up the good work. Koopa Loop, my man. Thank you so much, buddy. You have a great one. We'll talk soon. You too. That is Chad Cooper on This Week in Wrestling. We'll be right back in just a minute here on That's What She Said. Great stuff from Chad as we get closer and closer to WrestleMania week. As I said, we are going to have a lot to digest and to talk about here. Thanks to to Chad for helping us out. Thanks to Eric for talking uh, NCAA basketball and NBA with us. Uh, Thank you to Barry who helped us out with the first part of that uh, Saturday stakes card at Gulfstream Park. John Stetton, the pick six king, helping us out with the Gulfstream Oaks and the Florida Derby. Darren Zocali helping us out at Turfway. And then uh, Koopa Loop closing things down with this week in wrestling make sure to subscribe to rate to review share the show around with your friends let them know there's a show that's a little unlike any others we'll give you all the horse racing stuff but all the sports stuff pop culture stuff we'll continue on with our recaps next week of episode two of the falcon and the winter soldier so a variety unlike any other here on that's what g said as we close it out with the soothing sounds of joey cleveland